Podcast Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler. This is the Endercast Podcast. You're with my co-host, Mr. Ben, the boss with no sunglasses, Bateman. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? No sunglasses. I got a comment on Twitter or on YouTube today that was literally, I can't. (laughs) Wow. Ben Bateman looks so much worse without sunglasses. It's crazy. I was like, this is the internet. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'll just go back to wearing sunglasses and everything I do because it's, you know, not just a character I play on a show or anything. It's also not the most douchey thing that's ever happened. Thank you. Thank you for that. Hey, douchier Ben is hot. You know, that's that's what the internet's telling us. (laughs) (laughs) Nice guys finished last. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, Uh, And those who don't know, I apologize if my audio is a little weird. I'm recording directly into my laptop. I am in a hotel room in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, But we, we, you know, we don't miss, we don't miss weeks. Except for those times that we've missed weeks. No, we don't. So we are, we are. Well, this is part two of our set review. So it's a. It's an important one for us to do. You know, we, we have to we have to hit this one. Like there's a lot. Yeah, well, there's still a lot right. to talk about. If we wait until next week, then it's two weeks from now. And that and I, I'm already off of Comic Out. I'm on to new and greater things like the secret layer that's coming out, I guess. Or I don't know what the future holds. Uh, there's not a lot of greater like, things right now. Comic Out yeah, is real cool. I guess real we, cool. there isn't there isn't a uh, fun part. There, there's not a time spot remastered uh, like release between now and New Capenna. There's kind of a little bit of a black hole, which is interesting. I think it's, I mean, this, this set to me feels like this, this has like time spiral remastered vibes that like, there's a lot of cool throwback tech in this set, but you're I mean, talking about an additional product. Yeah. I just meant, yeah, there's no product being previewed in March, right? Basically for March, yes. and most of April, we're going to just be living on comic out, which is dope. I like this set's great. This set is phenomenal. Like from a flavor perspective, from a story perspective, from a card power level perspective, from a limited perspective, this thing is firing on all cylinders. From like a marketing perspective, this thing is firing on all cylinders. But yeah, uh, so super interesting. Yes, absolutely. I'm definitely excited to be back talking part two, though. So we uh, we did talk part one of our set review last week. You guys can find that on audio. You guys can find the video on our YouTube channel. Part two, as always, brought to you guys by TCG Player. You can find a link below. It's an affiliate link if you would like to get any cards. And otherwise... We are brought to you by Alter Sleeves. We have an awesome partnership with them going right now. You can find super cool stuff if you go and you use our code. Um, it's, a, it's a new perk we're doing for patrons as well. A big thank you to all of the patrons. Uh, Patreon.com slash the MMCast. Pinkies up to the nobles of House Modern. Okay, before we get started, we have a fun game of trivia. Ooh, this, here we go. Is, the chances that Ben gets this trivia question for today is it has to be low. But uh, it's on theme for the set. We have to do it. Um, and, and there are, there are two levels, uh, a card from this set, you, you are already dead is a reference to a very famous anime. Do I have to guess the anime? Yes. Now on top of that, the artist of the manga for the anime, uh, also did a, uh, altered art card for this set. Can you guess the anime and can you guess that, that the, which card he played with? <laughs> It's going to be What's a negative Ghost Rider, but let's see if I can let's see if I can guess the anime first. Let's see okay. if there's a chance. Uh, you are already dead. That sounds like something maybe from Death Note. No, it's uh, this is a very hard one, but I'm you know so so for those who don't know, as Ben has made his guess, and I, before I do it, the way this game works is I need all of you listening to write your comment in the comment section, uh, and uh, if you get it wrong. 
if you don't know the answer, or if you type something in like Death Note, which was not correct uh, for those who guessed Death Note, uh, you're gonna have to hit that like and subscribe button. That's the rules. We don't make them up. If you got it right, you just have you just got thanks for commenting. If you want to like and subscribe, we appreciate it. But we'll like your post for getting it right. So we're it's a bet. We're betting our likes and subscribes. If you're on. Uh, podcast apps we appreciate you just fully and hopefully you're on a good thing it is from fist of the north star oh that's the card fist of the uh, north star no that's the that's the no, that's that, the anime that's the anime the name is you are already dead <laughs> that 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 specific those specific words in japanese uh is you are already dead and it makes reference to a character who's fighting another character and they're dead already. Uh, the card is uh, our boy, Planeswalker from the set. Kaito Shizuki uh, is the one that has the special alter art version by the original mangaka of, of that show. So if you got that right, thank you so much for watching. Send you those likes. If you didn't get it right, uh, you got to hit that like and subscribe button. Sorry, you should know more about anime, obscure 80s anime. <laughs> I like that here. Uh, all I'm right. with you. If you missed it, we're on the same page. So, so. so last week we did blue and white cards. Uh, so we knocked those out. We still have we still have the gold cards. So there's some blue and white cards that we haven't done yet. But uh, we're first, we're going to hit up uh, uh, black cards. And there's only, I only have three on my list. Now, Ben might have some more, but we'll start, we'll start with mine. The first right, one, the first one, ironically, uh, as soon as it was previewed, the whole world was talking about how this card needed to be banned, especially in Commander. Uh, the fact that, you know, it's uh, a card that has the word Dockside in its name was really the problem mm. I think people had. And this is Dockside Chef. Uh, for a single black uh, enchantment creature, human citizen, one, two, one in a black, sacrifice an artifact or creature, draw a card. Now, the joke here is that someone made a joke saying, because it like this got previewed the day that everyone was talking about Dockside Extortionist being banned in Commander. And someone made a joke being like, I don't know why everyone's talking about Dockside being banned. And they showed this picture. But then people screenshotted that picture as a joke and shared it to other platforms. And then the, it, people on those platforms did not get that it was a joke. And then there was a whole conversation on this card needing to be banned. Uh, I don't think it needs to be banned. I do think it's good. A one-mana enchantment that gives you the ability to sacrifice artifacts or creatures to draw a card is, like, not the worst yeah. way. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's one, one black for a one-two, you know, like, so so it blocks and kills, uh, what's it called? Raghavan, right? So you get, you get like, that's, that's reasonable to be playing right now. It being an enchantment definitely plays along with some other sub-themes, and... I mean, I do think the main ability is a it's just it's a little expensive. The thing that's good though is that for two mana it sacrifices itself to draw a card, which is which is which is I think probably the saving grace of this card. I don't think this card fits into a modern deck right now in a specific way that I like to me stands out. Mm -hmm. But it is a cool card, it's a utility card, and it's cheap enough with a cheap enough ability. It's got enough going on. I, I'll bet you eventually this ends up as like a role player in a cool in a cool brew. Like it's a very it's brewable card. Well, no, that's what's cool about board. this card. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Uh, all right. Like, I think also a deck that, like, if there's ever, if they ever lean into this, the mechanic, or if any of the cards from this set that are, like, if you have an artifact and an enchantment, you get super bonus. Right, um, right, right. This is the type of card that wants to be in that deck. Because it is an enchantment, but it cares about artifacts, so it kind of benefits in both ways. Uh, the next card I have on my list uh, is the card from this trivia question. You saw it earlier. It's one black for an instant. Destroy target creature that was dealt damage this turn. Uh, draw a card. The card title is "You Are Already Dead." And uh, if if uh, 
uh, Rick or Marshall could play the the audio really quick. Uh, so, so this is making reference, obviously, to like the trope in in many animes of like the guy getting cut with the sword in half, and then slowly, which is not what happens in the anime, uh, uh, funny enough, but like, and then slowly, like sliding in half, doesn't realize that they're actually dead, and like half, and like slowly slides in half, etc. Um, but from a playability perspective, it's a cantrip, and is one mana cantrip that kills a creature. You have to do damage to it, but any type of blocker or other situation, I think it's, a, I, I don't think it's quite strong enough. Yeah, I mean, I could see this being, you know where this card would like really stand out to me? I, this And this deck is not popular right now, but I could see this card existing in like a Mardu Pyromancer type of list where you're playing this, you're playing this as like a removal spell, but you also have like one mana blockers or sorry, you have like one, one elemental blockers that are just going to be chumps and they, and they sit back and they chump. And now this is a card that end of turn after you've blocked with your one, one, you kill whatever good thing they've attacked with, whether it's like, you know, a Tarmogoyf or, or just w- whatever creature, it doesn't matter. Um, you block something They're well, channelers and, and those all fly, but whatever you block something. Yeah you're able to draw a card and then it also makes you another thing and it also gets rid of the creature. It, it, I think there are situations where this card is totally playable, but I, you know, obviously it's I situational. I wish it was destroy, uh, or, or target creature is destroyed if it was dealt damage this turn so that it could ah. target something and still draw. So like worst case scenario, it always had like one black cycling. Uh, that's, I think what would have pushed it over the top for me. Um, I do think, uh, ironically, that this card is going to be discussed a lot because it is now like the fan favorite card to name with Demonic Consultation when going for Athasa's Oracle. In, oh, sick, in, yeah. Like, <laughs> the because yeah, that's funny. Like, you are already dead. And then like that's the card you don't have to find. Uh, so it'll never be in people's decks, but it'll 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 be it'll be talked about for for ages. Uh, the last black card is uh, uh, for me is Life of Toshiro Umazawa. Uh, one in a black for an enchantment saga. Uh, its first and second ability are choose one. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn, or you gain two life. These are the three abilities on uh, Umazawa's Jite. Uh, and then it, it flips into a two, three. So it's a two mana, two, three at that point that can tap to spend mana on instants and sorceries, which is uh, interesting enough, actually a reference to originally in the story, uh, Umazawa, uh, Toshiro Umazawa is, is like the, the GT ability is to cast spells off of it. So, and the original card before it was changed, instead of having the minus one, minus one ability had make a black mana. So it's a reference to its original ability. So on the front side, it has the, the, you get to trigger GT twice, right? And then on the back side, you get to get the original ability of GT that was taken off. As a two, three, got three. it. Okay, interesting. So it's so it's 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 making reference to like old 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 school lore that goes along with the first card, which was already oh, yeah, completely. It's, it's busted, like it's, so. like, it's, a, it's like a deep cut on top of the old school lore, right? Where like GTA was a mistake because they made a change, and that change it you know is is being represented here. As far as in modern, I think like GTA's abilities are all like really strong, and I've now gotten to play this card a few times in limited and in other formats, and it like does a lot. We've been talking about for quite a while the, the reality of unbanning GTA at some point, which I've been on the train of like, I think it's doable for some time. But I also, you know, I'm not going to swear by that because like <laughs> I I hate GTA and it makes a lot of decks like not fun to play. So I think the fact that right now the best deck in the format is Hammer Time. Yeah. Makes GTA not sound great to unban. But I will say like playing this and like killing a Raghavan and then on your next turn gaining to 
or pumping your Ragavan to get in because now it's a four three. Yeah, is like, and then you get a two three out of it is like I think pretty good. I think I think it's just off. I think the thing that will push it ahead is if enchantment decks need a removal spell that's also an enchantment and they're playing black for whatever reason and then also want a creature on the tail end like the, these cards like the thing that my brain isn't able to and we're not going to talk a lot about sagas otherwise this would be a five episode podcast but all of the sagas have different consideration due to their their interaction as creature enchantments as enchantments then enter the battlefield to trigger other enchanter strategies as well as their ability. Well, that's what I was going to kind of bring up and and we can, I'm sure this will come up again as we reference another one, but basically like to this point, the only modern deck that has been about enchantments really has been Enchantress and Boggles. They're like the two decks that have made like heavy use of the, like like, like, Scythus Enchantress and Boggles for sure. Like they're the ones that have really, and and that's pretty narrow. Like Boggles goes in and out of being a playable deck and it's really only about auras. Like, like, like enchantments, sagas don't really help the Boggles deck. Like it's, they kind of help, but that's not what the deck's about, right? It's really like an enchantress has been a fringe deck in modern for a long time. There's a bunch of different great enchantments in this set. They're not all going to, we're not going to just see like enchantress overnight become the best deck. Now there might be like six variants of enchantress that start to get played. That might happen, but it also might mean that there's some really interesting brewing that starts to go on that starts to expand enchantment strategies that we don't even see coming yet. I think that's the place to really keep in mind with these cards is unexplored space. The set's definitely pushing it into some space that hasn't been explored fully. And we may see some pretty cool stuff. Uh, We may not, we shall see. So what do we got next? Uh, So that's it. That's all I have for black cards. And there's like a few other ones. There's like the one mana saga, that when it enters play, you know, you drain an opponent for one, and then that's the next one it drains, and it's a 2-2 me- that gives all vehicles menace. That one seems like... Modern's pretty high power level. It's pretty yeah. clear on cards. Like, the, this set is full of interesting cards. doesn't have that many cards that are, like, slam dunks. So, if we miss that's a card, so comment below, let us know. But yeah. I think that's that's the initial pulls. For yeah, if we missed the black card, please, please comment it. So now we're on to red. Uh, and the first one that's red is one that I was like, didn't even see, and then I got two of them in my pre-release pool, and I've been like thinking about this card since that. It's Experimental Synthesizer. So it's red for an artifact. When Experimental Synthesizer enters or leaves the battlefield, exile the top card of your library. Until end of turn, you may play that card. Interesting. Uh, and then it's two in a red. Sacrifice it to create a 2-2 white samurai creature token with vigilance. You can only activate that as a sorcery. So I'm a man... Who loves myself, a bobble, an egg, a one mana red, a one mana artifact, right? And the fact that this like is one red cantripping to draw a card that then sits in play and then for three red draws you a card and makes a two-two. And that's if you're not doing any artifact shenanigans, right? Like the actual thing you want to do with this is like pay it for one red and then sacrifice it to a goblin welder or or a goblin engineer or a... Arcbound Ravager, or uh, insert your different sar- artifact sack outlet, or return to hand effect, and then use that as a dr- card draw engine that you're going with uh, is more what I'm excited about. You know, rebuying it with Emery also sounds exciting. Putting an artifact in the play also is great with stuff like Urza, just to be able to tap it for stuff. Like it does so many things for one red mana and draws you cards when you play it. I think um, the thing about this card that stands out to me and where I really get interested in this, we've talked about this before, but anytime you get like an egg style card or something that that, that generates value when it comes in and leaves, they always end up in loops, the decks play. Um, they just always do. And so something about this card, like if you think about a lot of the deeper formats where you have things like Moxes or you have Lotus Petals, or you have things like that, things that cost zero ways to put like, imagine a deck 
like a legacy style deck where it's, you know, you've got Lotus Petals and, and Mox Opals and this card and you draw like a zero land hand that's got like a Mox Opal and it has a Lotus Petal and this. It's like, okay, I'll play my Lotus Petal, I'll sacrifice it, play this, exile a card. You can play it. It's not, you don't have to cast it. You can play a land if you exile a land. So like this is part of a, this this feels like one of those cards that ends up in those types of decks. Um, now the three mana to sacrifice it is, is a little dubious but i think it's like good early and good late at that point so i think this card's pretty strong i don't know what we do in modern with it obviously opal not being legal changes the game but you know uh what's it called is like like playing this over playing uh like thought cast right i mean obviously they're not playing the flyer but like this has there are red versions of the deck that don't necessarily want to be playing the blue blue cards like this is draw two if you have a rap this is Draw two with a Ravager in play, but draw two with a Ravager in play and give it a plus one, plus one counter. Or turn on Affinity to, or Metalcraft to something else. Like, I don't know. Like, this card seems... It is a... In many ways, in some decks, it is a one red draw two, right? With, like, very minimal effort to to, to abuse it. If you have a single I'm red... I'm also always... I'm always a fan of artifacts that come in, do something, and stay in play. Because they fuel Metalcraft, they fuel Affinity... They're sacrifice. They're just like part of that whole, you know, they're part of your improvise engine. We're like, there's just so many things cards like this end up doing. So has, I think this card's pretty the, good. It has the good kind of like it. The only time it's not good is turn one, right? But like turn four, turn five, right? It starts mm-hmm. being good. It also is Luris loopable. Yep. It's not, it's not exile it. So like you can play this, get the exile trigger sacrifice it to make a samurai later and then with Luris use it to draw a card draw two cards a turn and sacrifice it once you have more than five mana it starts like being kind of abusable so yeah there's I, a I willingness really, there's a pretty clear willingness by wizards now to print more cards like this we're seeing more and more cards like this complicated eggs i think are are something they seem they seem to be okay doing i also i also am not you know surprised that literally this card is an egg a sword in an egg on top of a bunch of other eggs <laughs> in the artwork uh Kamano faces the Kakazam. Uh, one red, uh, when it uh, when it enters play, deal one damage to each opponent and each planeswalker they control. When you cast it, uh, when you cast the next creature spell this turn, that creature enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it, and then you exile it into a haste two two. Um, and then if this creature will die this turn by a source you control, it die exile it instead. Uh, so it's like a, a one mana two two haste that like doesn't really come online until turn three, but it does have like somewhat relevant abilities to pump your team i think this is like you know people have brought this up when we asked for cards to talk about this one definitely feels more of a like pioneer and or standard like aggro card that seems good i i don't think i don't think it's my pick for even the best hasty one drop creature in this set i mean getting too powerful one is fine it's not like yeah i don't think this is card's fine yep yep um, it's gonna, yeah, yeah you're correct. This will be a standard pioneer player for mono red, or at least consideration. But it's not going to be a modern card. March of Reckless Joy, X Red Instant. As an additional cost to cast the spell, you may exile any number of red cards uh, from your hand. This spell costs two less to cast for each card exile. This way, exile the top X cards of your library. You may play up to two of those cards until the end of your next turn. People are really hyped about this card, and I don't really get it. So one red X, which so so like. Until your next turn, which is interesting. Um, it's yeah. an instant, which is good. It means that if you are playing some sort of a flash style deck or a flash style spell heavy deck, 
you could be holding open counter magic and at like the end of a turn on like a turn four or turn five, you can exile the top four cards um, because again, it is, you may play those cards. It's that whole red exile thing. So you get a land from exile into play one of those cards, presumably if you want to dig really deep because you need an answer and you have like a second copy of March in your hand, you can exile one of the other to dig too deeper. I think it's an interesting kind of cycle through your deck type of card. I can see why people like it. Uh, I don't necessarily know that those decks want this effect. Like the, to really, really go nuts on this card, you have to play a lot of red cards. Those decks want to play a lot of blue cards. The ones I'm talking about, they, they need to play a lot of blue cards can't exile blue cards to this. So now you're exiling a bolt to try to dig deeper with reckless joy. That doesn't make any sense. I don't want to do that. Like maybe you, I guess you exile like an expressive iteration kind of a thing, you know, but like that's, I just, it doesn't seem. Yeah. I guess. uh, Okay. Actually, actually let me think about this. If you play this in mono red, if you play this in a burn deck, I can see a world in which you're exiling a second copy of your Eidolon or you're exiling, uh, I'm trying to like, a, if you have a second Ragavan or something like that, like I can see exiling cards to dig for bolts. Every one you exile digs you that much closer to the premier kill you spell. So I could see stuff like that being relevant. Like that kind of makes sense to me. It's like a haymaker you can draw and use mid game. I wish it was like red cards and mountains, right? I think if it was red card, this whole cycle was like red card yeah. in that basic land type. I think it would be really cool. I think like, I, you know, obviously there's the, the work, it's an instant speed X red if it all, if it did not have the exile clause, I think this card isn't terrible, right? Like in modern, it probably doesn't hit the mark, but like one X exile, the top X cards, get the two best of them and to kill, you know, to use them. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it feels like it was that it feels like, it feels like originally this was exile the top X cards of your library. You may play, uh, you may play those cards until the end of your next turn, or even it was, you can only play them this turn. And the, the later was too, was not good enough. And the former was too good. And so this was like, like weird middle point of like, you know, I only ever need two cards anyways, but like it makes it so that exiling anything more than one card to play. This is real bad. I would agree. And I think in the decks we're talking about, the density of the the density of card quality is so high it, that it feels like unless you're dealing with like a mono red combo deck or something like that, mm-hmm. you're probably exiling a bolt to dig for a bolt kind of a thing. It's like it. You know what I mean? Do you, are you going to are you going to exile a lava spike to try to draw a bolt? Right. Are you get like that? I just but but I mean, I, I could I this feels like a card I could be outsmarted if this ends up in the right deck and it's really good in that deck. I wouldn't be shocked. I I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, the next card, uh, is, uh, one in a red for a two, two human samurai, uh, reinforced Ronin, uh, haste at the beginning of your end step, return reinforced Ronin to its owner's hand, uh, or channel it for one in a red discard reinforced Ronin draw a card. So this card's I will, sweet. yeah, I will say it kind of sucks that this card is coming out after Ragavan exists when Ragavan is just better card than this uh on the one hand though ragavan is on everyone's ban list you know list like right he's 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 definitely not out of contention to being banned two there are decks that might want more than just ragavan and dragon rage channeler reinforced ronin is better with dragon rage channeler that is one thing i will say being able to channel this 
Like get in for two damage early, play your Dragon Rage Channeler and channel this to draw a card and then turn Delirium up too, right? You get artifact and creature for yeah. being in the graveyard is not a not thing. This card is sweet. And also the art is amazing. Like I love this card a lot. I just don't, I like with Ragavan in the format, it feels like just the worst version. And I don't know. I mean, if- not all, I know, I know we argue about rarity all the time, but this is, this is an uncommon that's designed for limited. Ragavan's a flagship mythic that's like intended to be what it is. So like you can't, you can't you can't like compare them really like this is well, no but you can't like lightning bolt sees play dragon rage channeler is arguably better than ragavan and it is a uncommon as well so it's not i don't think ragavan. you're just saying you're saying that to literally be contrarian and stir up debate there's no uh, way we're not you can ask our comment section but there's a lot of people that would argue that dragon rage channeler is better I, I i i do think that it's not like ragavan strictly better i do think the things you're talking about are notable with this card the fact that you can discard this for two to draw a card matters but i yeah i i hear you this the, the this wind is taken out of the sails a little bit yeah right i do think this card is better with loris as well than ragavan if we want to point at a few things that where it's stronger because the fact that you can channel it then cast it from your grip so channel it to draw a card cast it with loris to put it into play That's so sick, two, yeah your hand to channel it again starts letting you like make a lot of mana with with loris which is pretty cool so it's not like out of like if they were the Bambobble also, this starts looking really interesting, right? This is a lot of things those decks want that Bobble is currently doing, and this could do in instead at a worse rate, but in a cooler rate. Right, right, right. Okay. Next card is Volt Surge. Red instant as an additional cost to cast this spell, you may sacrifice an artifact. It deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker. If this spell is additional cost was paid, it deals four damage instead. I mean, don't you just feel like the <laughs> Creature or Planeswalker needs to be any target, like, and they needed to make this card. They needed to figure out a way to make this card, like, balance and do that. Because all I read on this is, like, Unholy Heat's better than this card, and I just... Yeah, I think, I, honestly, this is another card that was like, if another Modern Horizons 2 card was printed six months ago, this would maybe be something that's interesting. Uh, but you should just play Unholy Heat. It's even better with artifacts, right? Because the artifacts turn on Delirium. So Delirium. even if we're playing that, like... You need I think it. if this card was, uh, yeah, I think that if this card was, uh, if it was one damage, it wouldn't matter. And if it was two damage and it had this clause, then it would just be strictly better than shock. So it, yeah, I, I don't know what to do about this card. I just, I, I, I it's, this card needed to target any target. It's yeah, it, it is what it is. If you targeted any car- target, I think it's interesting, right? Because you, the sacrifice trigger is valuable sometimes more than it just necessarily is a drawback but because I mean, okay okay but actually just to add to that there is some like interesting interplay here in those those like uh wellspring mycosynth type of decks like the icker wellspring type of decks that want to do stuff like that experimental synthesizer i pointed over here hoping that rick yes. would bring up the card <laughs> that we talked about five minutes ago uh that is very cleanly great with volt surge yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I mean, I because I can imagine a situation in which you're playing some sort of an artifact control deck that's playing uh, that is playing the Wellspring cards, which are not strong enough anymore. But I'm just imagining some sort of a Grixis artifact deck with like, you know, torpor orbs and 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 Wellsprings, and then this card, and you're you've got like what's it called in there? You've got Urza's in there, and you've got War of Inventions, and and so then you've kind of got this as like your removal spell that can sacrifice a wellspring and you know that thing but it's it's a lot of hoops to jump through to probably just not play cards that are better so <laughs> that's that's what's going on yeah um lizard blades one in red for a one one equipment lizard it has double strike uh and the equipped creature has double strike as reconfigure it's a artifact creature 
equipment lizard. It's, you know, one of the new reconfigure cards that we've talked about. Um, you know, all of these cards are fascinating to me in modern, partially just because they're tutorable Stoneforge targets. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, now we've had stuff like that in the past with germ tokens and living weapons. So it's not like totally a new thing. Um, just these are, which I'm surprised that none of the preview articles have talked about living weapon in regards to these. Uh, but like this makes a creature roll big, kill someone real quickly. It is like, it is like an interesting, and the fact that you can like Stoneforge mystic this and you can kind of splash the red cause you, it, the reconfigure cost is colorless. So you don't, you don't even need necessarily to have red every single time is interesting to me. I think there's going to be a deck someone builds that's going to come directly out of this set that's going to take massive advantage of Traverse the Ovenwald and all of these multi-type cards that are cheap mm. and easy and discardable or just generally valuable. And there's going to be some little concoction engine that gets put together that just gets Delirium without even blinking. And it's going to be really good. Like, for instance, Dragon Rage Chandler, once it has Delirium, is much better, right? We all know this. This card is just good anyway. Well, if Dragon Rage Chandler has Double Strike, it that card is even stronger. <laughs> like Dragon Rage Chandler just wins the game on its own if it has Double Strike, right? You have mm-hmm. a lot of different cards. Like, I, I mean, literally, this card with a Chandler is so strong. You think about like how good this card is with a Dragon Rage Chandler. You, you just the extra copy of this that's in your hand. You like surveil this to the yard, and on its own, it gets you half of Delirium just anyway. But then the one that you do have that you put on the Chandler because of the prowess that it has. Now you're attacking for like 10 in the air, 12 in the air, like super fast. I, I feel like this card and Dragon Channel are like made to, to be in the same deck together. And there's just a lot of different stuff like that that's happening. You cast this, it triggers the Channeler anyway. Um, I guess I guess Channeler is just a good card. It turns out. Uh, Jeremy Chandler, uh, just to correct, doesn't have prowess. Remember, it's just it, it becomes a three-three flying. It just becomes. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm, I'm mixing it up with the uh, with all of the other cards that are similarly templated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Monastery Swift Spear is the card that I'm mixing it up with. Um. All right. Next card is Fabled of the Mirror Breaker. Two and a red for a uh, saga. Uh, step one: create a two-two red goblin creature token with whenever this creature attacks, create a treasure token. Uh, step two, you may discard up to two cards. If you do draw that many cards, uh, nice little loot. And then, uh, three exile it, flip it. And you get a fixed Kiki Jiki, uh, for one tap, create a token. That's a copy of another target, non-legendary creature you control, except it has haste, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So one thing that's funny is that the token, I'm correct. Oh no, it's when it attacks. Damn. Uh, if you have, if you have, isn't it Goblin Wily Goblin is when it enters the play, get a, get a, get, a, get a treasure. Yeah. Yeah. Red, you red can one make infinite Wily Goblins. Because you make one, it gives you a mana. Oh, you need to tap. I'm wrong. You need it. And then you need an untap trigger. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's fair. You need whenever a creature enters play, untap a creature, which does exist, but you're now living in the, like the three card combo world. And yes. Which... Um, it is like a fun card. I just don't. Yeah, I don't know if it's modern playable. Hmm. I think it's a cool card, though. It is cool. I don't think it's playable, though. Yep. Uh, Scrap Welder. Two and a red, three, three, Goblin Artificer. Tap it to sacrifice an artifact with mana value X. Return target artifact card with mana value uh, less than X from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste until end of turn. 
Interesting. So it's a so it's a three mana three three that's doing the trash for treasure Duretti thing. Um, <laughs> it's it's a small thing always. You're never going upwards. Yeah, it's doing the it's doing the welder. It's obviously called scrap welder. You know, we have goblin welder. We have the one from original Modern Horizons goblin archivist. Is that was that correct? Yeah, goblin engineer. Goblin engineer. Uh, it's it's playing in that same space. I don't know how a three mana three three without haste is going to really compete with those cards. It's definitely cool. There are loops that you will be able to do with this card very much in the same way that like Ironworks was able to get a thing going with um, Scrap Trawler, like mm-hmm. tr- the way that Trawler had to had to work down in the same way. But I don't see this competing with the other best options that are similar. I think, but, yeah, I think I think the interesting thing is if there's a way to kind of go infinite with it somehow where right like because it because it taps for no mana right i think that's the thing that's interesting to me is you can always yeah. pay attention to it that like if there's a way for when it if there's an artifact that when it sacrifices on its own gets a different artifact into play that has a higher converted mana cost than it or something along those lines or even yeah then a higher converted mana cost than itself then this just goes infinite right cuz or and and you avoid untap it as part of that, like you start getting into some crazy business. So that that's something that's interesting to me, but we'll, we'll see uh, if that yeah. favor exists, but it has combo potential because it's free, right? The, the tap trigger is a free effect versus the one red that you get from what's it called. Uh, all right. The next card, uh, which I believe is actually the only one of this entire cycle to make our list. It's at sushi, the blazing sky for a four, four dragon spirit. But you know, the red dragon being the good one seems correct. Uh, flying trample when it enters or when it dies, uh, choose one. Exit the top two cards of your library until end of turn. You may uh, until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. Create three treasure tokens. Now, the first thing uh, is a flying trample four 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 is not something to laugh at. Uh, this cycle is really fascinating to me because they were like, okay. That original cycle of five dragons that die and then cause a thing to happen are no longer really the standard of the most powerful things that could be happening. How do we make those more exciting? And they're like, what if it could do two things when it died? Or one of two things. <laughs> <laughs> and what if we made a four four for six or four four for four instead of a five five for six? And uh, our creep. You get a choice. You get to choose. Not to. Uh, I mean, this card is real good. This is this is my favorite of them. This is one of my favorite cards in the set. I put this card into three commander decks already. Um, it is very good. Uh, I don't know. Yep. I don't know where this fits in modern. I'm trying to think if there's. I mean, it does feel like there's probably a an infinite combo because you don't have to exile these when they die. So. Mm-hmm. The fact that this thing dies and makes three treasures, all you have to do is be able to copy triggers or like there's lots and lots and lots of things I feel uh, that that just like are incredible. If you can find a way to, you know, consistently reanimate something, uh, I'm sure there's loops with this card that that are great. Um, mm-hmm, but I think mm-hmm. overall, like the the upside of the card is so high that figuring out ways to play this card like it might just be a it might just be more of like a value card than i was than i'm thinking but right. i but card yeah, like take uh, take sorry, go. go ahead no no i was just gonna say like a card like rankle is a good example of like a really good card that was great in standard and was played a lot in historic and has potential but never made it to modern because it's just not quite there rankle feels similar in terms of like yeah at four like the card's really good 
I just don't know where this card actually gets played. Like, can so so Rankle's hurt a lot by it being an X three, right? Like, Lightning Bolt killing a thing is still the golden standard of modern. This being an X four does change that math. Yeah, typically. Uh, I I do think this like to me feels like oh this would be in consideration for the Bloodbraid spot before Bloodbraid Elf was unbanned for Jund, right? Like back yeah. in the day, this would be like oh Jund is playing this card. This is like that. That's when like those decks were playing. Chandra's parents, uh, or um, they were playing. What's the what's the Kalidus, right? When it, the four mana, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Hate. This feels like it would fit in that slot, right? It's lightning proof, lightning bolt proof. It's abrupt decay proof. Uh, it has evasion and trample, so like lingering souls wouldn't stop it. And even if they get rid of it, you're going to get advantage of it off of uh, exiling things or uh, drawing cards or 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 uh, making treasure. Now the exile, you don't go though, so it is a little weak to path the exile. But what is it? Uh, you get a land. Um, so I mean, it I, is I, it is an interesting point you make because if you think about what made Uro so strong. It's really like it's the idea. It's the inevitability of just value that for the, the time and energy you're spending on the card, it's just like you're getting so much out of it. It doesn't really matter if your opponent has an answer for it. So really, yeah, the only answer for this card that is commonly played is going to be Path because to exile this with a um, Prismatic the white four four color colors. We've been playing four colors and some decks do, Path but it's much less likely. Does, Assassin's Trophy does answer it, Path to Exile, but Assassin's Trophy they get it. Had the, yeah, it's really Path to Exile is the only thing that you can answer this. A counterspell, right? Like like counter magic will stop this. But it's a creature which hurts force negation. Um, yeah, so it's it's like pretty removal resistant in the format. Like the, the, of the answer suites that are out there, it's like yeah. uh, not a lot that answers it without getting some amount of value. So, yeah. but uh, I think it's just under power level. But I think it's, I think it like, to your point, it also has like words written on it that could just break the format. I mean, because there's also the fact that it doesn't it doesn't die and give you three red mana. It gives you three treasures, which like has its own <laughs> has its own level of like a kind of amazing, <laughs> right? <laughs> like there are cards that allow you to sacrifice treasures for things. There are cards that just get lots of value. I mean, one of my favorite cards I've talked about a thousand times is um, the one three guy that I like so much. Who whenever an artifact comes into play, he deals one to each opponent. Mm-hmm. One red, one colorless, uh, reckless fireweaver. Yep. And I've always wanted to make reckless fireweaver decks work in modern, and I've never been able to. And like this card is like literally just built for that. It's like this card is just like a great four drop in a deck that wants to be taking advantage of dealing damage to you. Like I, I, I'm, I'm picturing like a reckless fireweaver, Garopper aether grid, heavy, heavy artifact themed deck with this as the four drop. Sure. You know, and like I don't know. That seems pretty. Seems pretty dang good to me. Yep, I agree. Uh, all right, that's it for red. I will say, like, multiple of my favorite cards from this set were in red. Red's definitely yeah. like red, white, and blue are definitely where it's at. Uh, next color, next color combo is green. The first one we're going to talk about is a small one, and we'll see if we it actually is anything. But one green mana for a one-one Fang of Shigeki, uh, enchantment creature, snake ninja, death touch. I was surprised this was on here. Like, so talk me through this. Um, it's 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 it is. The majority of it is in the creature type line. Enchantment creature, Snake Ninja less to an extent, but enchantment creature that is a 1-1 death touch does do a lot of things in Enchantress decks. The fact that with Scythus in play, this is a removal spell that draws you a card is relevant. That deck is also looking for ways to like play stuff on turn one that makes it so their opponents don't kill them 
that also right. like so has an right? Like that deck is like very much like how do I not die to a Ragavan or any early game threat that is on the ground so that I can play my like you know just get a Scythus in the play and start cantripping every card in my deck and once the engine is online these come down and start cantripping. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from on this, and I do think it's probably a notable card, but I don't know that this card is strong enough. I think, again, that the power level is so high in what people are doing, but uh, but you know what? Maybe more so than the next card, because I know the next one we have, we can just dovetail this into, which is Generous Visitor. This Mm -hmm. is a one-mana, one-one creature spirit. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, put a plus one percent counter on target creature. So this is a spirit, and this one doesn't have any kind of a death touch. These two cards both represent the, like, medium level of efficacy that i think you're looking for in a one drop and an enchantress deck they're both cool it's more likely that fang sees play it's less likely that generous visitor does because those decks already have quite a few good cards you know it's just their 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 one drop slot is is a little bit on the weaker side but i do agree that they have they have a lot kind of going for them so it'll it'll be interesting i i think they are a little bit of a miss but i think like honestly between the two i think fang of shigeki i agree is actually more likely which is interesting Fang is definitely yeah because i think generous Generous visitor has a chance from the perspective that at some point they could come up if they like if they ever print an enchantment creature that's like enchantment creature whenever a plus one plus one counter is put on this uh make an enchantment token or something right like with which like they've done that kind of thing before yeah yeah, yeah. just like a weird infinite splinter twin card and it like that happens right that's a card that i would keep eye on forever because at any moment they might print something that does that uh the reason fang though actually is a real option is because when you are drawing the 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 enchantress deck in my and i've been playing enchantress decks since like 1998 like i've literally like in the old days the old old days had one like as a casual deck when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and the thing about enchantress decks is it's exciting to draw cards but if you draw if you don't draw gas in the deck or you draw stuff that doesn't have the ability to keep the chain going you run out of gas super fast Mm-hmm. And so Fang to me is is exactly the type of card that keeps you alive early that also is still a hit when you're drawing later, which is why I think it has better better chance than Visitor. You don't want to draw. You don't want to draw a Visitor off of a chain in the middle. Of the right, game. right. That 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 I I agree with. And that's kind of why it like Fang is solving two of the problems the deck has. You know, the you know, maximizing the amount of enchantments you have while also maximizing how you're not going to die in the early game. And right. That is not what Generous Visitor is doing. And yeah. Um, All right. Next card is Kodama of the West Tree. Two and a green for a legendary creature spirit. Three, three. Reach modified creatures you control have trample. So we haven't talked a lot about modified, uh, but modified creatures are either creatures that are equipped, have auras attached, or have uh, a counter on them. Both plus one, plus one, minus one, minus one, or any of the like library of ability counters, death touch, whatever. Uh, it could be a charge counter, any type of counter. Uh, whenever a modified creature you control deals combat damage to a player, search your library for a basic living card and put it on the battlefield tap, then shuffle. This card is very interesting. I mean, the, so there's a lot of different reasons that this card is interesting. This card is interesting because from the pure perspective of playing a counters deck in modern, which there are many of, mm-hmm. there are hardened scales decks, literally just like a any anything at all that you've played in the first two turns of the game in that deck, if you play this on turn three, just attacks and immediately and immediately searches and puts a land into play and just accelerates you. Um, it, every creature in those decks does that because they all just have counters on them. Uh, I don't think this is going to have much of an impact in decks that are suited up with equipment or agreed 
or like I, I think that's going to be irrelevant. I think this is literally just going to be something that takes advantage of plus one plus one counters. Even cards that put ability counters are still sort of fringe. They're like kind of few and far between. There's a few of them, but really plus one plus one counters are so many creatures in modern that do that. Mm-hmm. And there are entire decks built where it's just that is the ability of the deck. So like I don't know that those decks need a three drop that gets them a land is the one problem. But I do think that those creatures having trample matters. I, I, like in my head, I can't remember. Like there might be also some. I, I know that there's the landfall. Put a plus one plus one counter on a creature that does exist. Uh, and there's a few different options of them. I don't think any of them are costed correctly for modern. But this would make me really look at that card because you get a lot of lands into play really quickly. I yeah. know there's also like just just uh, uh, the clue one. The, every time you play a land, get a clue and put a plus one plus one counter on it. That like plays really well with this card. It's there's some interesting uh, stuff to like in my head. Ahead. I'm thinking of like a modified hardened scales collected company deck that's playing more three drops to be able to maximize what collected company is doing. And then you get you get like a uh, there's the new one that makes food and 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 treasure tokens. And then there's the one from uh, Shadows of Rainer that makes clue tokens and gets bigger. And then there's this guy. I, there's cool stuff you can do with landfall here too. This guy might see play as a one of in um, in. Uh, Yagmoth decks. Those decks are, you know, mm-hmm. with young young wolves and tranquil geists and all those all all of the the counter creatures that uh, they can sacrifice to put the counter on the undying creature. And so that deck wants to be hitting its land drop so that it can go off and have mana to do the whole thing. And those creatures having trample just in general can be good because it's you know kind of like the old Gavity Township decks where like it just plays a lot of creatures and it can just win on its own. And so I think that those creatures all. You know, because it's, it's it's whenever a modified creature you control deals combat damage to a player. So, so that means if you attack, if you play a young wolf on turn one, and I'm trying to think how you would do this. It dies. They, it dies for whatever of three different reasons. Well, I'm trying to think how you could get like, I'm trying to think by turn three when you cast this, how you could have two modified creatures already in that deck. And like, I guess a young wolf on turn one, a young wolf on turn two. I can't remember if they play like a one mana sack outlet. But that would mean on turn three, if you just cast this, if you have some sort of a sack outlet and you hit them with two young wolves, you just like double, you cultivate, will mm-hmm. double into play. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. There's cool stuff. It, this is a cool card. It's a three, three, it's a three, three reach trample for three or reach, I guess. Um, plus, obviously, you know, strangle guys is a spirit. This is a spirit. There's probably some interplay there. You could you could look at. Um, I don't know. Cool card, though. Yep, yep. Next card is a green-white enchantment creature, human monk, 2-2 lifelink enchantment spells you cast. Cost one less to cast. Jukai naturalist. Um, enchantment creature that is the right mana cost does a very powerful thing that enchantment decks may want and has lifelink attached to it. I don't know if it's what those decks need, but it definitely has a lot of words on it that lead you to believe that this could be a good enchantress card. One thing that's really interesting about this card to me is like the further we've gotten into design where there are more and more cost reducers across different colors for different types that are so easy to play. Those decks in modern, those enchantment decks primarily want to be playing things that are solid colors. They cost one or they cost two. They don't want to play lots of things that cost like one and one uh, because they want the cheaper option that's more efficient. And so it's the same problem you run into with like Goblin Electromancer where it's like, well, that card's sweet. I'd love to play an Electromancer deck or a Baral deck, but like a lot of the stuff that you want to be playing in those decks costs a single pip anyway, without any colorless to reduce. The way to take advantage of stuff like that is to play stuff that is that costs two instead of one so that everything is reduced. But if you don't draw this card, then you're playing a bunch of stuff that costs two, and I don't know if that's efficient enough. So then 
that that's that whole conversation of two mana accelerators that I, I I've run into when I'm trying to brew. Then I'm like, yeah, maybe this isn't that good though. Well, and like Goblin Necromancer specifically, like the deck that it sees playing is Storm, which is specifically like taking cards that were balanced that are unfair, but are balanced by being one mana that more than they should be. And Goblin and Electromancer being in turn for more than a turn makes all of them busted versus right. I don't think there's a lot of enchantments that have like a similar effect. Now you do get to like play. Well, the other problem is that by being two mana, like a lot of the cards that the deck is currently playing that like you do get a mana off of are just three drops. And it's right. not playing like infinite one drop. So like maybe you get to like, now on turn three, you can play an Enchantress Presence and a Utopia Sprawl, which is kind of good. But it like you're not ramping that. Like you want, yay! I, I like I, I agree with your point. You want either like you want either maximize. I guess you do get to play stuff like Destiny Spinner and or Sanctum Weaver for one mana. Uh, that's pretty dope. I don't know. Like it, it's it. Like if you can get one of the three drops and one of the two drops that are an enchantment creature and accelerate them in on turn three. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I was saying. It's like I could see there being a world in which it's playable. It's just I feel like when I look at it, it doesn't feel as turbo as I think you want it to be. I think those decks realistically are close enough to being able to play things that cost a lot of one, you know, one or two without the the colorless even reduced. That I don't know that this card turbos them as hard as we'd like to think. Yeah, it's it, probably the problem is like Scythus and Sterling Grove are eight cards in the deck. And then you have Utopia Sprawl on the ice and Abundant Growth, which are all one mana. So like, uh, it's close. I think this card is close. I think it might be just off of the mark. Um, and then you get in the boggles where the entire deck is one drops, right? So in, unless there's something else that we're missing, I, I agree. Um, it is an enchantment, so it's playable, but yeah, 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 yeah. it does cantrip easily. Uh, next card is Silver Fur Master, blue and a black rat ninja, ninjutsu, white, uh, blue, black, 2 2. Ninjutsu abilities you activate costs one less to activate. Other ninja and rogue creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So two mana rogue lord just on its face. Maybe my favorite card in the whole set. <laughs> uh, I mean, this card is sweet. Like it, the fact that this is a rogue lord that's also a ninja lord is kind of cool. I'm glad there's a ninja lord. I'm glad that they're comfortable enough with. I'm glad they're comfortable enough with the colors here that they're willing to just print this. Um, or, or sorry, they're comfortable enough with the costs that they're they're willing to just print this. Like that they're not afraid of it. Um, I don't even really care that much about the ninjutsu abilities. I mean, that's cool. The ninjutsu abilities are are totally cool. If I remember correctly. Ninja of the Deep Hours, Ninjutsu's for blue one, correct? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, it, I think it Ninjutsu's yeah, yeah. For, for blue one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fact that like that's now with this in play, now you now you Ninjutsu that guy for a blue, just comes down attacking and just draws you a card for a blue. It yeah, Ninjutsu's yeah. itself, which is really strong. It's a Rogue Lord. Like this card makes me think that the Rogue deck that I was playing in Historic for a while that I've wanted to try in Modern is totally doable. Like yeah. I think that now that you have, now that you have the one three Flash guy that I like so much, and you have this, I think there's enough really strong Rogues. Um, you know, one one card that I played a lot of in Historic was the uh, the one black one one that gets plus two plus one if they have eight or more cards in their graveyard and. Yeah. That card's very strong. (laughs) I was like shocked at how good that card was in general. Um, Again, like the whole ninjutsu thing is is very strong when you have rogues in the deck that want to be triggering off Una's Blackguard, that want to be recasting if they came in before Blackguard, that now want to get counters so you can make your opponent discard. There's a lot of cool stuff with ninjutsu that is actually very helpful um, in a rogues deck. So I think this card 
it's debatable. I'm going to probably try to build a list with this, but I think this card has real potential to push rogues into right. legit and, modern play. And you get some other like ninja cheats out, right? You get like Prosperous Thief, so it's like two blue for a 3-2 ninjutsu, one in a blue. Whenever a ninja or rogue does damage to a player, make a treasure, right? Like, right. That's, like that's like a really cool card here. Um, you also have like the new ninja. Like there's like some really good ninjas you can play. There's also the ninja from Modern Horizons 1 that was just like seeing play because it like... The blue black, yeah, the blue black four drop. Infinite value was attached to it. And like, that's another card that I'm like, oh, this could be back. Fallen Shinobi, right? So three, it's a five yeah. drop, five, four, but ninjutsu four, when it deals combat damage to a player, the player exiles the top two cards of their library until an attorney may play those cards without paying their mana cost. Like, now that it costs three mana with your attacking creature that they have to be prepared for, even if you're just playing one of these in there, just to get them. <laughs> like well, because, yeah, you said you said Fallen Shinobi, the, the normal ninjutsu cost is, bl- is black, blue, one. So that means you can curve into this on turn three? No, it's it's two blue, black. So with, with, with silver for master, it would be one blue, black. Right, so that means that yeah, you yeah, can yeah. ninjutsu right. into it on turn three. And the, and the ability when, they, when you don't them is what? What's the value you get? You get to cast two cards from the top of their deck for free. Without paying its casting cost. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a pretty good curve, right? Like, that makes me feel like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, they kill the silver for Master as soon as they see it, probably. So then your value engine and their curve gets really screwed up. But, you know, there is something to be said for, like, you're playing a blue deck. Force of negation exists. Yep. <laughs> so like you, they're tapped out and then they try to like kill your creature on their turn, but they probably play around it. I don't know. Yeah. It's cool. Super cool card though. This, yeah, this yeah, is my yeah, favorite. Yeah. I think it's my favorite card in the set. Um, I'm going to do the next, the, the, the last like ninja card on the list just to finish it off since we're talking about it. And that is Satoru Umazawa. One blue black legendary creature, human ninja, two four. Whenever you activate a ninjutsu ability, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. This ability triggers only once each turn. Each creature card in your hand has ninjutsu, two blue black. Sick. <laughs> this includes Emrakul. This includes Grizzlebrand. This includes D- Blightsteel Colossus. Pretty strong. I'd say it's pretty strong. <laughs> uh... Is this a new, like, sneak and show type deck available to modern? You have to have a 2 4 survive. That is a three mana 2 4 specifically uh, not dying to lightning bolt. Uh, Needs three colors to die to sorcery speed prismatic ending. Um, Yeah, I don't know. This seems like, like, just. Like a weird option. I, it's going to be really interesting. I think you need like another thing that can get Emrakul in play, right? Like sneak and show decks work because there was sneak attack and show and tell. You need like eight of your cheat in the play cards, but there are, are options in the format from, uh, 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 you know, Goro's Vengeance to other cards that yeah. aren't necessarily bad with this card either. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, there's also just the fact that like you, if you have a deck that's built to, you have a deck that's built to get this card and and it can do that consistently and you're not really worried about getting it. You curve into this on turn three every game for any number of reasons, whether you're playing a good tutor or a medium tutor or a bad tutor. There's like a lot of them. Like, I mean, <laughs> we've talked about time of need a hundred times. Time of need gets you Emrakul or Satoru Mazawa, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just easy. Uh, 
we just talked about how easy delirium feels like it's going to be going forward. I mean, all you have to do is get this out on turn three, have some way to protect it. And then on turn four, you hit your land drop and you just put Emrakul into play tapped and attacking. It's that easy. You just oh, have you to have to, a, I think you want to do Blightsil Colossus in this deck. Well, I guess if you need the legendary Emrakul is fine. It doesn't get you the cast trigger, but Emrakul is still Emrakul. So you don't get the cast trigger and you don't get the annihilator trigger is also true. Yeah, I mean, if they can kill you on the crackback, that's fine. But you can't do anything about Emrakul. I mean, I guess you can. I guess you can wrath. You can wrath Emrakul away. Yeah, you can wrath it. You can. Um, right. Yeah, there's a. Isn't there a white enters the battlefield exile thing that I'm like blanking on? Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. You can wrath it. <laughs> yes. No. It's but good. Yeah. I mean, pro- pro- blight steel is definitely a. Yeah. So I. I think that without a doubt, what I can guarantee is. What I was going to say is that what I can guarantee is whether you're talking about uh, will it be a good deck or not, it's going to be a deck. Like, I, sure. that, this is going to be a deck. People will you're build gonna this. You're going to run, in the same way that I've been running into weird polymorph decks since the beginning of the format, you're going to run into weird Satoro Umazawa decks, and they're just gonna, you're going to be like, oh, I don't have answers to this, and I've lost. Yep, 100%. Like, yep. It's, it's powerful enough what it's doing that I feel like it can just take over on its own. So Absolutely. All right, next card is Greasefang Okiba Boss. One white, black, rat pilot, 4-3, legendary creature. At the beginning of combat on your turn, return target vehicle card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste. Return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of your next end step. This is already a Pioneer card, right? The Pioneer yeah. deck that's like the vehicle reanimator, Parhelion, uh, Insanity, is already a deck seeing play. This card, that is not too far out of the realm of playable and modern. Uh, that is a lot of power you're putting into play. This card feels a lot like what like the Rhino decks are doing in that sense, the Cascade yeah. Rhino decks, but you get to play with like regular cards. I mean, Michael put Michael did this against us. He played Grease Fang as his commander on Monday night on the commander stream, and he did the Perihelion Grease Fang thing, and it was really good. <laughs> it wasn't as good in commander, obviously, as it would be in modern, but I mean, it's... It's strong. It it does feel like, like you just said, as far as compared to rhinos or things you can be doing, it's not as strong as other free things, but it is a cool interaction. And it's also notable that, you know, the Perihelion is the best one they've printed so far, but they obviously have a real willingness to print super cool vehicles. There will be a bigger, more savage vehicle at some point printed that will happen. I don't know that they will print a more convenient way to get a vehicle into play than this. This seems like a pretty pretty like pushed version of what they want to be doing there. So pick up your foils now, because when they print the Emrakul version of a vehicle at some set, <laughs> everyone's going to be like, oh yeah, Grease Fang, you just win the game on turn four. Yep, yep. I like, it's weird, right? Like you need more to get it to work. Like you need discard outlets, you need like to get this into play, you need to draw this versus the the Cascade ones. But on the other hand, you get to play with a lot of cards that are just like better and it does the same thing. So yeah, I I, I think there's potential. Uh, I would not be surprised if by the end of the year we start seeing vehicle decks like this like do well. Um, next card is Hits, hits Hitsugu's Consumes All. One black red uh, saga, enchantment saga. Uh, one is destroy each non-land permanent with mana value one or less. Ends up that's a lot of cards uh, in modern right now. Two, exile all graveyards. That ends up that's also a lot of important cards right now in modern. Three, exile this target, then return to the battlefield from Sorn under your control. The backside is a trampling. Uh, when it uh, deals combat damage, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Or when it deals damage, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. When vessel of all consuming deals damage to a player, if it has dealt 10 or more damage to that player this turn, they lose the game. So, so 
First ability, destroy each 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 non-land permanent mana value one or less. Right? Okay. So that's Rondavon, that's Dragon Rage Channeler, that's that's yeah, uh, half the things, like every card in Hammer Time, right? Like yeah. that's already pretty insane. Uh, like this might be the best card in the set, right? For for modern. Uh, two, two, its second ability is Exile of Graveyards, which then lets you get rid of those things if they cast Luris, right? It, it eats the yep. large half of this problem. And its third ability is it turns into a Trample 3-3 three, three, that whenever it does damage, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. And then if it deals 10 or more damage, it kills a player when it does damage to it. That piece of text is pr- more commander relevant and for fun uh, than the other halves, but it is like a creature that is decent that comes with, you know, destroy all one destroy all relevant permanents in the modern format right now and exile all graveyards, making sure that Luros can't get them back. Uh, yeah, I, look, I think I think you might be right. This might be the best card in the set. It is really really strong. It's it's obviously one of the key cards that when we were talking about this on Twitter last week and stuff was getting shared, this was like the first one that I, I saw that was getting shared. That was definitely like a big card. Um, I feel like this card does a lot of things that you want to be doing in modern. We both know that when we shared isolate as our preview card a few years ago, it seemed fine, but not that good or wait. Yeah. We shared isolate. The, yeah. That's the, the that's the CMC one. Ironically, and, now seeing some amount of play just because Ragavan and like one drops are so powerful in the format that it's like come back to being a sideboards card. Yeah, and it's not surprising to me that like it's better now than it was then because obviously, just like any format, it gets more powerful, you get cheaper. So this this taking out everything that costs one or less is good. Just any deck that wants to take advantage of not doing that. Uh, secondly, get anything that like incidentally gets rid of graveyards in modern is always going to be good, right? There's so many cards and so many new strategies that are always getting introduced that takes such huge advantage of the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then the fact that when this flips over, you just have like kind of a massive creature. Um, you know, I definitely think that this card, uh, I definitely think that this card has a strong argument and it's, it's the right cost. They didn't, they didn't make it like kind of a bum card and make it cost four, which I think they, I think they easily could have done. This could feel, this could feel like an all purpose, like wrath, the board nuke things. And it would have been more playable in commander because they could have pushed the abilities to be a little stronger if they did that. But the fact that it costs three makes it, I think just what you want, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, but like the big question of this card is like, is it worth playing this over Loris? Or are there enough cards that make it worth not playing Luris that I now can include this card in the deck that doesn't play Luris? And and that's not to say that there isn't, right? There are many reasons to not play Luris in black and red decks, and this is just another piece of that puzzle. Yeah, I think I still think Luris is better than this, but I do think this card's really good. But Luris is going to get banned, so that that's that's <laughs> that another matter. Right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Kaito Shizuki. Uh, this is a legendary planeswalker, Walker Kaito. Uh, one blue, black, three loyalty. At the beginning of your end step, if if Kaito entered the battlefield this turn, he phases out. Plus one, draw a card, then discard a card unless you attack this turn. Uh, minus two, create a one one blue ninja creature token with this creature can't be blocked. And minus seven, you get an emblem when, with whenever a creature you control dies, deals combat damage to a player, search your library for a blue or black creature card, put it on the battlefield, and then shuffle. Um, I think the last ability is probably the least relevant, though it does find you a Grizzle Brand that puts it in play. Pretty um, strong. Which is cool. But I think uh, the plus one draw, like the fact that you can like play it minus two, make a ninja, he then phases out so you, he can't be attacked. He like protects himself with the little ninja you made. And then you can untap, attack with a ninja and draw a card and you don't have to discard a card because you've attacked with a creature that turn is like a very cool play pattern. 
Well, it's also cool. It's like ninja-ish, right? Enter the yeah, battlefield, this yeah. turn he phases out. Like, there's just some, some some very very cool design flavor that goes along with this card. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think if the one one the, the fact that you have a mind like the fact that you have a one one creature it can't be blocked matters, but the fact that you have a creature to protect this card is like important. It's a three mana planeswalker that makes a creature to protect itself. So just at the very least, it coming down right a lot means that the mm-hmm. turn it comes down. It phases and, out. You know. And yeah, and and if they answer that creature, you have an entire second turn to be able to play your own creatures from your hand to protect it, right? Like you can you can play this and like minus one, put a creature into play. If they have a removal spell for that creature on your next turn to be able to get into it, you have now had an entire extra turn to play a threat to block it, which is like one of the reasons just like one, one making planeswalkers were good is that you just need that little bit to protect it that one turn. Cause from that point on, you can protect it with untapped mana. I think this is pretty cool. I imagine. Cause what I like about this card so much is like, let's assume, okay. I'm just speaking out loud here for a second. And I'm thinking about bad cards that would like play well with this. That would be cool. Let's imagine you have like thrumming bird in your deck or like a thrumming bird style card. That's going to proliferate for you and try to like build up your planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, let's imagine that maybe you're playing this and the three mana Dovin that I like so much. The one that, uh, makes one ones and puts counters on things. And then you get to like have a big draw things. You get counters on it for all the creatures you have that deal damage. Remember that card? Mm-hmm. Yes. The blue, the three mana blue one. So like, imagine you have like some sort of a thrumming bird style proliferate ish deck with blue cards and free counter spells. This mm-hmm. card comes down. If assuming that you've played your two drop creature that's attacking, this thing stays in play, right? So that's fine. You draw a card, then you don't discard a card because you've attacked with your creature. Now, if you haven't played your two drop, this thing it, this thing loots for you, comes back the next turn at four loyalty. You're now building a strategy out where you're making creatures to attack with. You've got things that proliferate. And eventually, this thing is like a win condition on its own. You just have to be able to protect it. I just think the fact that this thing goes to four loyalty right away is pretty strong. And the fact that if you don't have that creature on turn two and your opponent can't interact with you, this thing's going to phase out and come back. And then it's like, all right, well, now I'm at four loyalty and I'm doing what I want. I think this card is really good. I think the play pattern of this card, the way it works with how you can control the phasing, depending on what you've done, it gets a card advantage engine. It also gives you creatures. I think it's cheap. I think it's cool. I think this card's going to have an impact. I think this card's a little underrated, to be honest. Yeah, I think think that like plus one loot is actually not that bad of a use case right like worst case yeah. scenario you just start looting and that's like a card that i would think about playing and the fact that it has the cool phasing ability to protect it the turn you play it which is like normally the flaw of the three mana loot planeswalker right you want to play it and gain some amount of advantage but that advantage engine is normally not the way to protect it and so it just dies this one like comes down you can play a ninja if you want one or you can just loot if you have a good card to discard or if you just want to play the right deck with it and then it phases out protects itself and then you keep going yeah I, I i agree i think it's i think it's underrated i think the phase out thing because phasing out is something they've brought back lately but it's also something that hasn't been explored a lot like we haven't seen how hard it is to deal with things you know when that's going on this is a pretty aggressively costed card yeah like it, it 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 feels like they could have now they couldn't have done that. I, I was gonna say they could have almost made it with like two loyalty, and you would have to like kill it to make a creature or something like that, which wouldn't make any sense. Like that would be a stupid design. But they they could have underpowered this card more than it is, and I think they still would have. It would have been fine. Yeah, I think, I think, I think this is. Target, I think the target is perfect, right? It's it's just unpowered enough 
where it probably isn't good enough for modern, but it's just unique enough that maybe it is good enough. It's got it's ni- nimble. It's the card. It's the way I would describe it. It's a ninja, which is cool. Speaking of nimble cards, Hanada Dawn Crown, one blue, red, white, uh, legendary creature, Kieran Spirit, four, four, flying trample, another flying trample. Uh, spells you cast cost one less to cast for each target. Spells your opponents cast cost one more to cast for each target. So protects itself a little bit, kind of has like a super ward to all things, uh, but breaks X spells that have multiple targets. <laughs> It also it looks kind of a bit like the dragon that in in uh, Shang Chi that comes out of the water a little bit. It has like the color palette, sure. It has like it looks. It kind of looks like it's from the land they go to, whatever the heck that land is called. I can't think of the name right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's bad that I can't remember that. But there's like weird stuff like icy blast. So one blue X blue tap X creatures instant. But if you have a creature with power four or greater, those creatures don't tap each turn. So it just each cre- it just for one blue. All of your opponent's creatures don't untap that turn. Curse of the Swine for two blue. Exile all creatures your opponent's control. They turn into two, two boars. Uh, um, Heliod's Intervention. White, white. Destroy all artifacts and enchantments your opponent controls. Um, Where's some other fun ones that are like wild? Oh, oh, my favorite one, which I think is actually like the thing to do with it. Magma Opus. Mag- Magma Opus <laughs> is four damage divided as you choose among any number of targets. Tap two target permanents, create a 4-4 four, four blue and red elemental creature token, and draw two cards. I believe that you can target six things and not do only do damage to four of them. Doesn't, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, so Strive, the ability Strive from Theros, you pay X more to cast for each target beyond the first, but this reduces the cost by one for each target beyond the first. So any strive spell that has like a colorless in its strive extra ability, like for instance, solidarity of heroes, this spell costs green one more to cast for each target beyond the first, choose any number of target creatures, double the number of plus ones encounters on each of them. That would mean that for single green for every creature you have, you would double the counters on that creature. If you had this, I believe um, which is cool. I'd have to look at all the strive cards to see if there's one that gets broken with this. That comes to mm-hmm. mind for me, though. Like the like the thing for this card that that's going to be super re- relevant if it ever going is ever going to see play in modern because it does some broken things. Right? Is a are the things that it's doing broken things with playable without Hanada being in play? Right? That's always the problem yep. with decks like this is that you oh my deck only works if I play this four drop and if I don't get the play it my deck's bad. But if it's just like there ends up being a deck that this works in, that's why one of the reasons, because there's those Magma Opus decks that we're seeing play a year ago uh, yeah. in Modern. And then, so if that is true, then Hanada is a card that would see, could see play in Modern. It does a lot of really broken things. It turns decent cards into insane cards. And those cards can already be worked around to play with. And it just, it's going to be really dependent on that fact. What about like Incremental Growth? Is that a card that I'm I'm remembering exists? Uh, I don't know. There's like, well, that's like green, incre- that's incremental growth is now. like it's like green, green, three, put a plus one encounter on target creature, put two plus one encounters on another target creature you, and three saying, plus one encounters on another target creature. Are you saying that you want to play in modern a Jeskai card and a green, green card in the same deck? Yeah, you can play anything in modern. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next card is Tomio completed Sage. Uh, two green Phyrexian mana blue completed. You may pay, uh, you know, blue green or phyrexian pay to life if life was paid this way the planeswalker enters with two fewer loyalty so either five mana for a five mana five loyalty planeswalker or four mana for a th- uh for a two loyalty planeswalker you can plus it to tap on one target artifact or creature that doesn't untap uh classically very good 
Uh, you may minus X exile target nonland permanent card with Menavas X from your graveyard, create a token that's a copy of that card, or minus seven, create Tomio's Notebook, a legendary colors artifact creature with spells you cast cost two less, and you can tap it to draw a card. The big, like, the big things here is, like, Tomio at five mana with the ability to tap a creature down forever and lock it down was really good. And you can do that with this card for two mana. Uh, as far as modern playable, I think it's close, but I think it'll probably miss the mark. But it's, you know, obviously store stuff is relevant. Colossal Sky Turtle. Four green, green, blue. Enchantment Creature Turtle. Six, five, flying, ward two. But you can channel it for two green. Discard Colossal Sky Turtle. Return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Or you can channel it for one blue, discard Colossal Sky Turtle, return target creature card to its owner's hand. So it does a little bit of a, does a little bit of a, uh, 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 Nimbus, not flying the the, blue, the fairy brazen borrower. Does a little bit of a brazen borrower impression. Uh, yeah. Better, better in the decks that uh, that are playing Living End. Right, this is a better target for Living End. It's a like a little bit. On that end, worse for the Cascade decks that are like trying to bring Rhinos into play or Elementals. But the fact that it has the channel ability to return a card from your graveyard offers a different version of value that Brazen Borrow doesn't have. And I do think that's where it competes. I think you might play one of these in, in the non uh, the non uh, 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 graveyard version of the deck. I think you play four of these in the graveyard version of that deck. And I think this is maybe playable in other decks anyways. I think like... Any deck that's playing blue green, like these are a lot of really good words that are great because they're uncounterable as well. Yeah, an uncounterable bounce at instant speed is strong. Uh, an uncounterable discard this to regrowth is also strong. The fact that it does either of them, and then also on top of that, if you just like are in top deck, we're going back and forth mode, and I just draw this later in the game, I'm like, all right, well, it's a seven mana six five flyer that's hard to answer. So. Well, at that point, the game is not going to be hard to answer. But I mean, it's I, I, I think I don't I don't see a living end. They will play four. other than that, though. I don't imagine a deck playing more than more than one or two of these. But it's a very cool card. I definitely agree with you. This card has some pretty, pretty interesting application. Yeah, I like because it's also like does all of the things that it does. The more that increases the chances to see play in modern. There's a ton of different stuff that from like it being a seven drop for whatever reason, it being both blue and green. So both subtlety and uh, 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 what's the green Endurance. one? Endurance can 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 exile it for for effect. Also, force negation can exile it for an effect. Right, like it does a lot of things for not a lot of mana. Um, plus, it's an enchantment yeah. creature, so it's an enchantment that brings value to it. Uh, it's a turtle, super relevant creature type, but also like some decks, especially Bant ones, might just get to turn seven and draw this as a flying ward to six five. I mean, this does feel to me like the, the the classic blue-green design they've been doing for the last few years of, like, ramp value card. Like, this is just a card that's going to be great if you draw it later in the game and also has, like, weirdly, weirdly helpful applications early. Like, there's... I do like that it's not ramp and draw cards. I like that it's like other things that blue and green do. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I but I guess what I mean is like I think about decks in modern that are just trying to get lands into play and stay alive at the same time and they want to be able to like interact with you while also just hitting land drops. And that this card is built for those decks. It's yeah. literally a card that's like, I'll have this in my hand so that when things happen early on, I'll have optionality and modality to stay alive and control the game. And then if I draw another one of these later in the game, once I've hit my drops, I just have a big finisher. And like, if you don't answer my finisher, it'll kill you in like a couple turns. Yeah, agreed. Okay, we are now, we're now on artifacts. We're two hours into this thing. 
maybe. Uh, let's do this. First card is Eater of Virtue. We're like uh, so good at being efficient. It's unbelievable. We're, we're year, seven years into this thing, eight years into this thing, and we I feel like we've only gotten more efficient. We could do a podcast where every episode was 45 minutes on each card from the set that was printed. Bad and good ones, like all the way through. We could. We, we were capable of talking about anything. Any <laughs> eater, of, eater of virtue. What do we got? Speaking of anything, this card could be everything. If it's even enough souls, uh, one mana legendary artifact equipment. Whenever equipped creature dies, exile it. Uh, equipped creature gets plus two, plus zero. As long as a card exiled with eater of virtue has flying, equipped creature has flying. The same is true for first strike, double strike, death touch, haste, hexproof, indestructible, lifelink, menace, protection, reach, trample, and vigilance. Equip one. So at a base level, without any other text, this is a one mana equipment that gives plus two, plus zero, and equips for one. So this it's is a one. legendary bone splitter is what it starts out as. And that is findable for, with Urza Saga, but just on a, a, on a base level, one of the more insane rates that equipment can have uh, of all time. Now, that was true for limited and standard purposes, but has always been like a very powerful place to start. Now, extend that to it can also give your creature many different keywords. Uh, of those keywords, decks like Affinity and... Uh, What's it called? Are playing them? Uh, 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 not Ornithop. Hammer time. Oh, Ornithop. Yeah, Hammer time. It, are playing them specifically, like having an Ornithopter die, holding an Eater of Virtue, and then putting that on anyone else. I, I, am I correct? Also, that if you equip this to a creature that has Hammer, it gives it flying because doesn't Hammer make the creature lose flying when it when it's attached? Not that this creature, if it has flying, does not have flying. I believe that is true. Yes, so I believe can... the creature loses flying, but this gives it flying. Uh, no, probably. Yeah. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus ten, and loses flying. I think it does re-give it. Like, because I, I believe with um with hammer, if you have hammer equipped to an ink moth nexus, if you mm -hmm. reanimate ink moth nexus once hammer is already attached, you get you give it flying back. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah. I am curious how that works. I don't entirely know. Um, but... thing. Uh, comments, please tell us we're wrong. And until you do, I'm going to assume I'm right. Um, that is cool. I like this card a lot. Uh, I've been a fan of Bone Splitters for a long time. Um, I have played a hefty number of Rankers in my time. I have... Um, I have played lots of cards that do this. I like flyers and unblockable creatures that are made better by plus two plus so. My only thing about this going into the type of decks I like building is that the creatures that you're putting this on all have unblockable or flying anyway. Like, I don't know that like you're gaining much by those creatures dying and then putting this on a new thing. So it's kind of just a bone splitter. I think you to make this card work in modern, you have to take advantage of that ability. You have to figure mm -hmm. out a way to actually do something with it. That's cool. Otherwise, I think it is probably like redundant and slow and like you're, they can like eat you mm -hmm. out by killing creatures in response to equipping and stuff. I mean, some of the, some of the cool things is like the fact that with first you can like, I think the haste ability is actually like pretty underrated on it because haste is always newly relevant when you give it to new creatures, right? Like the first creature you get with haste, like if you can put this on a Raghavan and Raghavan dies, you now have the ability to give every creature you play haste for the rest of the game. Right. Or Dragon Rage True. Channeler. Now you like the fact that this is so good with Dragon Rage Channeler because you can make it a five three. And also if the Dragon Rage Channeler dies, you get a the ability to give your Ragavons flying or your Luris is flying or whatever. Also, the fact that if a Luris dies, 
you can then give your other creatures lifelink. Like a lot of really good cards in you know the black red shells have just like keywords accidentally, but then when you're able to start piling them up onto a creature, now Eater of Future exiling creatures makes it so that it's worse with Luris because Luris wants to cast them. I also think that like this is just worse than Shadow Spear. I think this card is cool. My gut tells me this card is cool. This card is probably valuable in the same way that Shadow Spear seemed pretty good, but not amazing when it got printed and Shadow Spear ended up being very good. This card might end up being similarly valuable, but I do think its rate on its face of plus two plus oh for one is good, but not something that like decks in modern have wanted to be doing. Like it's not, nobody plays Bone Splitter. And obviously I know Bone Splitter is worse than this, but like, but Affinity was playing uh, the colorless Bone Splitter, right? The 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 there was like Andrew Brown literally took Affinity to a, a GP playing uh, with the um, oh, oh yeah yeah Heroes Virtue plus Heroes Blade plus three plus two that's, that's no, no, plus no. three plus two no no no, no, no. Uh, 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 the the colorless the if if this is targeting a colorless creature it costs two less one yeah. mana one man equipped for plus two plus it's plus two plus two versus plus three plus two. Yeah, but plus two plus plus two plus zero and it doesn't have to go into a color colorless creature and it gains the activated ability, you know, the special abilities of those creatures and carries it forward is. I think I like I like I think I'm telling you, I think I think I could see people playing this card and it being good. I can't see a world in which a deck is built around this card. This might be an incidentally good equipment. I haven't quite decided. That's I agree. I think this has to I think this has to be incidentally good for it to be played. I don't think that it's worth the bet. The the payoff isn't worth building something around it. Right. Yeah. There's also maybe like a version of a deck. Well, yeah, because it's the only the only one of what it's doing. Yeah, that's my thoughts. What's next? Uh, the next card, though, uh, well, the last piece I guess would say is that we were I was already like brewing with Odric, the new Odric with the blood tokens, affinity lists, and like yes. an Odric infinity list with this seems really sweet because then you're playing with you know all the different keywords that it wants, anyways. So it helps Odric, but then also those creatures are incidentally good with this sword. So I think that's another place to look. Uh, containment construct. Speaking of cards that you want to build around, two mana for a two one artifact creature construct. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. If you do, oh, this card. you may play that card <laughs> this turn. This card's so absurd. Like, this is one of those cards that when I read it, I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I like, I like, don't understand how it took this long to design this card. If we, if this was allowed to be designed, because it's so preposterous, it's just like a, it's like a two mana two one. I, I mean. This card is just very, 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 very good. I don't think it's as busted as it looks like at first glance. That's what I've decided in the days since I first looked at it, the more I've thought about it. But I mean, whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play that card this turn. There are plenty of decks. If you just think about Burning Inquiry, like Hollow One style decks, tons of decks that have taken huge advantage of discarding tons of cheap things that are literally intended to cast things like this in a hollow one deck feels unfair. It feels like an unfair magic card, right? Like, because it's not even you may cast those cards this turn. You may play those cards this turn. You literally have a containment construct in play with a single burning inquiry when it goes off. You play the land from your you, the, the exile land. You just play it. All of the zero and free cards that you're playing are the things that cost one. It's just like it turns every single loot into a bananas card. I, I know that obviously what's it called is gone now looting. So like. You have less options that give you control. But I mean, if Faithless Looting was available, this card would be so, so, so oh, bananas. Faith, 
this is colorless. Just put it in a Faithful Mending deck. Why do you need to play Faithless Looting? Faithful Mending exists. This card's insane. True. Card. True. I mean, I, this also like pairs with any good looter or looting style effect that's like mm-hmm. ever been printed. This makes any channel or cycling card ever. Like, think about that. Think about this with cycling lance. Like, just cycling lance. You just. Okay, yeah, all right. This turn, I'm just going to pay one, and I'll just cycle this land from my hand, and I'll draw a card, and then I'll just play the land from the graveyard. Yeah, yeah. I just pay one to put this land into play and draw a card. One mana, draw two cards, right? Because you draw a land, and you draw the card off of it. So that that is true. That is what this card does. This card is bonkers. (laughs) (laughs) This card's so good. I, like, like can't even... This, this to me... I want you you to recognize something here, though. I want you, in this moment, then, I want you to think about your life. And the history yes. of your ability to evaluate magic cards. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think about how powerful this card is. Yes. How bonkers it seems. And I want you to look at the rarity symbol and notice that it is not mythic rare. <laughs> this, but okay, when we have that conversation oh, yeah. about rarity, <laughs> when we have the conversation about rarity, uh, like comparisons, I feel like this card feels like an uncommon to me. Maybe a rare, not a mythic rare. My, like my, it feels my my point is is that the power, power level of the card and you're fired. You're fired. I fire I fire you from the podcast. <laughs> All right. Next, next, next card. High speed hover bike. Uh, two mana for a two-two flash flying vehicle. Crew one. When it enters the battlefield, tap up to one target creature. Two two mana flash flying vehicle for a two two. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, tap up one target creature and it cruises for one. This is one of my favorite cards in the set. Uh, I'm a big fan of this card. This is we talked about this a little bit. The blue in the first set review that we did. There's a blue card creature that does something kind of similar to this, mm-hmm. but this is the version of the thing that blue card is doing that I think is actually good. And the reason is. It's because this for two, <laughs> it's a flash flying two, two for two, but it also plays like a really interesting tempo game. And it's also a creature type artifact. So mm-hmm. like th- it does lots of cool things that you want to be doing. Again, there's so many things now that are built to take advantage of playing a lot of artifacts and having a lot of artifacts in play, whether you're talking about imp- improvised spells or you're literally just talking about like tapping an untapped artifact to get mana. Like there's just so much stuff that's built now to take advantage of that, that this to me feels like a real real tempo card and it's also not killable with like easy wrath effects like it's it's one of those things where copter is a better card than this but this still plays in the style that i want to be playing like i'm into playing this card and i think that uh i it's think this cool, card like, it's cool in in tempo decks too right it's like a great little piece to drag dragon's rage channeler because on the front end before Dragon Rage Channeler is turned on, it can crew this, right? So, like, early game, you get the flash flying you need. And then also, if it goes to the graveyard or you just it, it gets to your graveyard in any way, it adds the artifact you know, card type to, to, to DRC. So, it does kind of do both parts of that. You have, like, it gives evasion to your creatures that are just, like, not scaling past people having blockers in your way. Like, turns Men Knight into a threat, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and like flash tapping something down is not to be not to be like ignored. I think like I wish it could tap or untap. I think that's my mm, that's sure. my, my comment. Uh, I think then it gets into like the actual playable world because like imagine this in like Emery with an untap ability. 
Uh, I think the other thing about this card that's, well, there's two things that I think are cool. One, this is a good Delver of Secrets card. Um, it's especially good in Delver decks because it means your one, your little diddler one, one that hasn't flipped uh, can actually be used to do something cool if it doesn't flip. But so the other thing that like, I think is it feels like just then that you weren't listening uh, a little bit because I said that exact sentence, but with Dragon Rage Channeler, which is just better than Delver. No, I did hear that. I know it's good with DRC. I just think that it's cool because I like Delver more than DRC, even though it's a worse card. <laughs> and I would like to be able to play things that make that bad card better. Uh, no, the thing I was going to say that's the coolest about this card to me. This is uncommon that I'm going to say this. No pun intended. Uh this card is like a sweet idea. Like this is like, I love the idea that I'm flashing in a hover bike. I like I'm flashing in a high speed hover bike end of turn for my creatures because to this point, we haven't had a lot of sets that do the whole like cyberpunk Akira type of thing. We've yeah. had like sets that have almost done it, like vehicles that have showed up in Kaladesh and there's some stuff that's cool for sure. Like I, I think, I think a few things have touched on it, you know, old affinity like Mirrodin type sets have, but, this is purely like I'm flashing in a freaking speeder bike from the woods in Jedi and I can jump on it on my turn and I can like dome you with my speeder bike. And like, I'm into that. <laughs> I just like think that's really cool. And I'm like real, real on board. I, you know, honestly, I'm glad this card exists. It never sees play modern because it, it got Ben to care about flavor. Uh, but I agree. I, and speaking of flavor that I was super hyped about, we have Mecha Titan core, uh, Two mana, two, four, uh, crew, two, artifact vehicle for five mana, exile Mecha Titan core and four other artifact creatures and or vehicles you control. Create a Mecha Titan, a legendary 10-10 construct artifact creature token with flying, vigilance, trample, lifeling, and haste. That's all colors. When that token leaves the battlefield, return all cards exiled with Mecha Titan core except Mecha Titan core to the battlefield tapped under their owner's control. Um, I made... A few different Power Rangers themed TikToks when this card came out. I am so excited for the Megazord to exist in Magic. People have brought up that it's like Voltron-y. Uh, you know, I was born after uh, old people, and so <laughs> this is this is a Power Rangers card, and I'm gonna die on that hill. Uh, Definitely feels pretty Voltroni. I'm not gonna lie to you, but I but I'm but I'm into the Megazord. I mean that 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 vibes with me. It is the exact same concept. Both they do the same thing. Just like Power Rangers has way cooler <laughs> things than some like cat robots, right? You got a Mastodon and a T Rex and a Triceratops. And a pterodactyl and a dragon zord and the dinobots. Oh, don't the dinobots all form together to make no the dinobots don't make a giant dinosaur. No, that, There's dinobots are 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 transformers. Transformers, I, like yeah, the yeah, yeah. No, I, I know no, I was just trying to there, there's a there's a transformers uh thing also that, that all come together to make a giant robot as well. I just can't remember what it's called. But I'll give it to you. I'll give you the Megazord. I'll, I don't. I don't think this card is probably playable in modern. I just think this card is sweet. I've seen, I've seen lists like the fact that it's like, and they're an affinity list, right? Or they're like lists that like have just like weird adjacent artifacts they can throw away. A ten ten construct, a ten ten flying vigilance trample lifelink and haste token is real big, and and like. When it dies, you get all like you don't risk anything, right? Like all the like random dorky artifacts you have. Like just playing this as like a one of in Urza decks lets you like, oh, I've gone to the late game and they like answered my Urza, but I've been able to rebuy this with Emery or got my one, and I have like all these artifacts that don't do anything in play. 
Now they're a 1010 haste flying trample lifelink. Well, so what happens though? And you can do all kinds of So what then what happens if they kill it? You get, get Nekatan back and all four artifact creatures. Are you sure about that? Yeah. As you control when that token leaves the battlefield. Oh shoot! Wow. Oh, actually, oh, no, that's kind of oh, sick. Oh, you don't get Mecha Titan Core, so you get all of the all of the artifacts you exiled. You get back Mecha Titan mm, Core. They kill the Mecha Titan, but you get the artifacts back. Yeah, yeah. So, so not bonkers, bonkers. It's not like an indestructible thing, but still like. And then in the meantime, it's a two four two. You know, crew two. Worst case, you can turn your yeah. And this feels like this feels like I am surprised that I haven't already been trying to make the the Grand Architect Urza deck work with Mecha Titan Core because like I just like want that to happen. I'm all about that. Uh, that seems really good. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's dope. I'm so hyped. There's a TikTok that I shared. Maybe Marshall can just play it. Marshall, play play the me being excited about Mecha Titan. They've added the Megazord to Magic. Box three mana artifact. The legend rule doesn't apply to permanents you control. Each legendary creature you control gets plus one, plus one. Each non-token creature you control gets plus one, plus one for each other creature you control with the same name as that creature. Yeah, I mean, this is a play on the old mirror gallery. Is that correct? It's like a it's a reflective card or something like that. I think it is. I'm not making that up, am I? It's a mirror box. I don't know reflective. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh it's like the reverse of seeing. I don't know what mirror gallery does. There's an old, there's an old, like, anyway, it doesn't matter. They're both, they're both Kamigawa cards that make reference to, uh, legendary permanence and things like losing types and all that. But, uh, do you think this card is good or? Oh, I'm, I'm surprised you don't have a bunch. I thought this would be a card that you would have, like, I guess you really liked the singularity, which did the opposite and made everything legendary. I figured you'd have like some cool, oh, if you have two Kiki Jikis in play at the same time, it breaks the game, you know, combo in mind. Mirror Gallery is five mana, the legend rule doesn't apply. That's all that is. So this is uh, three mana, the legend rule doesn't apply, and all of your legendary creatures get plus one, plus one. And if you have two legendary creatures in play, or two cards with just that share a name in play, they each get an additional plus one, plus one. Or plus two. Yeah, plus two. there's probably cool. So, so I mean, it is what I said in the first place. It is a direct play on Mirror Gallery. It's very yeah, yeah, similar. Yeah. It's just a much evolved version. Uh, I think this card is cool. I don't like immediately have the capacity in my brain to figure out what like if this is good. I mean, the obvious place that I go is just like this and Ragavan are great. Like it, it seems fairly. Sure. That seems fairly obvious, right? Like each each Ragavan gets plus one plus one for each other with the same name. And they each get the additional, the, the normal one. So what, Ragavans are now are four threes if you have two of them with this in play? Uh, yes. I mean, that's pretty good. Yep. Yep. Isimaru, I mean, Hound of Conda is a four four. That's true. No, no, that's no, true. no one's playing Isimaru. I mean, the, the legendary the legendary decks that were already like playable and had been pushed that were playing Mox Amber are now going to be like turbos because there's a lot of legendary stuff in this set that's cool and cheap yeah, and good i guess the one thing that this card has that is a problem which i'm glad we talked about it that like always is is 
legendary like cards like this need redundancy if mirror gallery was four mana and you could play both that would be dope or if there was another card that let you kind of get away with it it would be dope but the fact that this card like wants you to be playing a deck that's built around it but then if you draw it doesn't like it doesn't work right it's this it's that same conversation as cost reducers if you build a deck to basically take advantage of one effect and you don't draw the effect and it's the only one of the effect when the deck is underpowered which is the problem but it's still a very cool card and i would be shocked if there is not a legendary creature heavy deck that plays two of these in the deck that when you cast them, they just and maybe three, I can't imagine four, that just makes the deck that much better. But the legendary deck was already a thing. Like it's already a thing you can do that's already yeah. kind of good. Yep. With Ragavan now, it's even better. So probably this does see play. Yeah. All right. Now we are on to lands. And we have uh before we get to the big cycle, let's talk about mech hanger. Uh land, tap, add a colorless. Tap, add one mana of any color. Spend this mana will only cast pilot or vehicle spells. Or mm. three mana, target vehicle becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. Which is uh, the reason that this is already seeing play uh, in, in Pioneer and has a potential chance to see play in Modern. This with, like, Parhelion. Parhelion. All, yeah. all, like, you know, when when the Rat Gang guy, uh, I need to remember his name, when Greasefang Grease gets something into play, this then allows those things to be, you know, crude later in the game when you don't have all the things you need to make them crude while being a good land that fixes your mana. Yeah, I mean, it taps for one. I'm shocked that this doesn't ta- add two to your mana pool only to cast vehicles. That's like the part about this card that I'm like sort of stunned because like I think pilot's a mistake. Um, I think it's probably the only miss in this set. It's a really cool concept in theory. It's a really great idea from a flavor perspective. I think it's a total like Making a 1-1 token that's a pilot that can crew things for two and having to remember that separately from any other token that doesn't, like, unless I have the pilot token and I just write my token out in front of me, I'm just not going to remember that. There's no way I'll remember my opponent has a pilot if they have any other tokens. Like, that's, like, such a complicated thing to do on a token that unless you have the written token, you won't remember. So I feel like that's probably the one part of the design in the set that I'm, like, you guys went so deep on this and my head hurts even trying to keep track of it before I even play it. So that's why I'm like, I wonder why this doesn't just cast vehicles for because like you get, getting vehicles into play quickly with one land like that. You still have to crew them like I think vehicles are good, but I don't think. Uh, that push- I think I think there are like imagine in modern being able to cast Thopter. Uh, or Thopter Copter. Uh, uh, Copter uh, on turn one and then crew it on turn two when you cast a creature and like hold open something as well. Yeah. Like it, it makes it, it make it like making all of the two mana ones into one mana spells, I think is too good. That's fair. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's not like vehicles haven't been broken before, right? Or they're not on the verge of playability. And I'd, I'd rather them print cards that allow them to print dope vehicles in the future than cards that break vehicles so that they're like too afraid to print cool ones. And I think do you that, think that the do you do you agree with me on the pilot thing or you're much more OK with it? I'm fine. I'm totally fine with pilot. Okay, I, I will cool. say it's confusing how it's written. Uh, and I don't think it's like a I don't think it's a big enough piece of the set to me that it's really been something that's like been an issue. Like, you know, there's like a few tokens. There's a one. There's the one actual pilot card and there's like a few and like and then pilot. Because that's not inherent to all pilots, right? Only like that token and that card do that. But pilot as a creature type is just around. And that yeah. I like, like what I like here for that is this lets you play a vehicle deck with pilot cards that don't 
that don't require you that like helps you fix the mana for both right mm. like it does work with your creatures and it does work your, your thing the main card type you want to play with vehicles mech hanger lets you cast that for the colored mana you need to be able to cast them which i think is cool um from the perspective of like pilots is like a thing that bonuses warding's a little weird i thought it was like this crude for two versus for three or whatever it is right like it did one more than i thought so that's cool but i didn't read it correctly and that's fine but I, I will also say there's a lot of vehicles out there that are like totally useless and that mechanic allows you to try and make them actually work right like there's a lot of vehicles they printed that are really cool because like five the crew which basically yeah. makes them useless um we actually the 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 episode with jim uh from the spike feeders we did a whole conversation on vehicles and that was one of the things we talked about so if you haven't listened to I mean, that I, I, I understand the value of it. I think that's I think last episode we talked about this a bit and I, I I understand why like they're being pushed that way because because they were a bit underpowered in the first place. I just think keeping track of it as as I'm back into playing multiple formats now in person and digitally again and I'm I'm doing that like we just filmed some stuff with uh, with tabletop jocks and, and that'll be coming out at some point, you know, uh, playing a lot of magic. It was like a reminder of like, well, when there's like lots of stuff going on and you're trying to keep track of it. You just lose track sometimes you, you do. And like in a game of modern, like you, you're able to keep track of stuff mostly, but it's an unfamiliar type that has a really specific ability that I do feel like if they don't have the exact token and even if they do, I still might forget because it's unique and it's new. So that's all. But we can uh, move on and continue talking about the uh, probably most significant cycle in the set. And I, I would argue perhaps the most hyped card in the set. The, uh, the, the new most, legendary lands would be the most significant cycle of the year. I mean, we haven't done through the year yet, but I'm trying to think if there's a cycle of cards as powerful from last year that was printed. Last year, um, I mean the the elementals probably are the. I mean, yeah, that's a pretty yeah, powerful yeah, cycle. Yeah, Horizons to exist. This is close. This is not far from the elementals, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, one of these is enormously good, and the rest are very, are quite good, and one's bad. But let, let's talk through them. Let's let's, let's save the green for last. Let's let's start with uh, Takanamura well, Abandoned go in, Mine. I'm gonna go in Wu order. I know how. Oh, I'm you good. you people, okay. the people understand. So we're starting with Yanjo's Seed of the Empire, legendary land. Uh, tap to add one white mana. Not mm-hmm. doesn't ever play tapped. Key feature to all of these, and then they all have channel. This one has two white, discard Yandro, Seed of the Empire. It deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. Important feature to this is that it is an uncounterable removal spell on a land that can't you don't that comes into play untapped. The, the, the utility of these cards, we've talked about this now, set after set at length. Um, we have a higher density of utility lands that have been printed at this point in magic than we've ever had. I mean, for obvious reasons. It's like they just more cards have been printed than ever, but there is such a high density of good lands over the last three or four years printed. Now it makes looking back at old ones that were like interesting or clever or cool, like so bad compared to what we get now on the reg. We just get a lot of really good lands now. And like, this is an untapped white source. If you're playing a white deck ever in modern forever until the end of time, unless you're specifically worried about like blood moon, (laughs) Even if you don't have a single legendary card in the deck, you have no downside for playing one of these at all, ever. It's such a good thing you can do. Like, it, it's kind of mind-blowing how good these cards are. Um, they don't come into play tapped. They don't give you colorless, but who cares? Like, 
This is a this is a land that's an uncounterable removal spell that is just a turn one white source. Why wouldn't you play this? Why wouldn't every white deck in modern forever play this? That's a problem with every one of these cards, to be honest, right? Like yes. some of them are less powerful than others, but like it really is like almost mistake feeling. Probably fine because they're also all answers in removal. And I think Wizards has decided that coming up with really cool removal spells that are too powerful is fine, especially if it's like something new and different. Um, I mean, like used I have, to, I have yeah, dreams. Well, I have dreams of playing Life of Alone with these cards. I'm surprised Life of Alone hasn't gone up in value since these have been printed. There's other cards similar to that that lets you play stuff from the graveyard that are really good. Yeah, it's it, this cycle is insane. Uh, it's really interesting when you and I know I'm just going to riff on this for a second, but when you it? think about these cards, like one of the formats that over the years we've talked about more or less is this Highlander Gauntlet format where the six decks. But the whole thing that's unique about that format and why that this card makes me think of it is it's a single it's a singleton format. And so you're looking at every single card that's not on the reserve list to put into your decks. And because you only can put one copy between the six decks, you kind of want to use every single above average card that has no downside. That's how wheels are built. Like You have to try to use every part of the Buffalo, so to speak. I've had a lot of conversations with Eric, our buddy who designed the format about like, well, if there's an untapped land come into play untapped source that has literally any ability at all and you can play it, they should all be in your wheel somewhere. And the old Kamigawa lands were a good example of this where like they aren't that good. A couple of them are pretty good, but some are just like downright kind of bad, but they all should be played because they do something unless you're really worried about playing non-basic lands like they all do something. And these are so much better than those that it makes me feel like these are I don't think your deck goes up by more than 1% of, of value in some cases with these because some of them aren't going to matter. But I do think that the better ones are like, you I, have to. I, I, uh, I think the black one we'll talk about because I think that is uh, that is the worst one. But I think the other ones, they go up uh, definitely percentage points per land you add. It, it, yeah. like, outside of Blood Moon matchups, right? Like that's like, like decks that can hate on these. Like it does feel... It does feel bonkers. I like I I almost want to just talk about the green one next because I think like we're like hounding around like the best one. But no, uh, let's, let's, we'll save it. We'll save it for last. This be the longest conversation. Let's let's just go. Let's go in order. You started uh, this. Uh, so the next one, I think, is the second best one. And it actually is maybe arguably the best one. If we want to if we want to really uh, split hairs. Uh, Otawara, the soaring city, legendary land. Uh, taps for blue, channel three in a blue, discard Atuara, Soaring City, return target artifact, creature, enchantment, or planeswalker to its owner's hand. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. So, uh, beyond the fact that just like a bounce spell in general has been very good, the fact that this is on a land is very powerful, all of the different things that are good there. The other thing is that this bounces to fairy through the, yeah, and it bounces to fairy through the lock. It allows you to do it, even if you can't play spells. So you are able to get around one of the more annoying hate cards in the format uh, and, and anything like that, right? Any, any type of like spells cost one more counter spell. The fact that these get around, those are insane. Like there's an argument that if there was like a channel for this costs one less for every legendary creature you control spell that can't like, that can't be countered. This would maybe be playable. And the fact that it's on a land and better than that, not to mention, like we talked about the, the the we were talking about madness earlier with the the artifact, the two drop. Like this, these cards work with those as him as well. Like I know, all it's so crazy. Off of that card. Well, one thing that I do find interesting about this this one, just just as a counter to how good it is, real fast. Like 
most decks in modern are not going to be playing a legendary creature or if they are they'll be playing one so it's mo- you're mostly paying the face value on the ability i mean if you if, if you're playing a legendary creature and it's in play good for you but like you have to look at the hard cost as what you're going to be playing this for two things one most decks are currently playing a legendary creature because you're playing uh ragavan or something i i, I that, i'm not trying to say that all of the companions are also legendary let me finish my statement. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah. not trying to say that they won't be playing them like they're not in the deck, but the likelihood of evaluating this card of will it be three mana or four mana you're casting it for? You have to assume you're casting it for four. You just that that's the way you have to evaluate the card, and you'll get lucky sometimes and be casting it for one less. Um, four mana to bounce something that is uncounterable is very good, and it's insane that it's on the land. So of course you'll play this card, but it is a major cost in modern. Getting four mana to bounce something is a large cost. Like four, four mana instant speed is a cost, right? That's not a card you would that you would play. But the fact that like it being a land jumps that up so significantly. I'm, I'm not saying it's not great. I'm just trying to I'm trying to remind the people listening that are probably getting swept up in the hype behind this that like if you're in a game spending four mana anywhere in the first five or six turns of the game is time walking yourself in a lot of ways and especially in the case where you're yeah. like if you bounce their teferi they're just going to recast it the next turn and get another card out of it and reset the loyalty yeah, if you it's bounce a, it's an instant speed effect so you do it at the end of their turn and you bounce sure. you really bounce the teferi not at that moment when you need to like because people you know people play teferi to protect their counter magic or they, they play right 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 about like creature spells so i'm literally just saying like, i think the cost to bounce things is a high cost that's a very playable cost that on a great card but I do think that when you play this, it's not like, oh, man, I got away with murder because it's a land. I still think it's like this was expensive and I, I don't want to have to pay this much mana to do this thing. But I guess I need to. So I will take the turn off to do it. Uh, and I all I lost was a land. That, that That's my feeling. Yeah, I like blue decks are known for holding their mana and not doing anything on their opponent's turn. If they need to answer something, needing to have an answer or being able to count or, or, or being able yeah. to draw spells. And this is another tool to that piece that just like tempos people out. The best, it, it's the best version of the scenario for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, but that's like the base version. The best scenario of this version is you have three legendary creatures in play and your opponent plays a five drop and you get to bounce it and it doesn't have an enter the battlefield effect. <laughs> and, and then you like thought sees them on the next turn. <laughs> uh like I, I think that this card is like pretty significant and like more useful in more situations than than the green one is right the green one is very good at a specific thing and is better in commander than this one is but this one is pretty bonkers in this format in a way that i think is being underrated as, especially out of the fact that like already the two most played of the original kamigawa lands like this are the blue ones yeah, that, that that that's fair. I mean, I I think it's great. I wasn't even trying to, to to poop on the card. I was literally just trying to give a little bit of a devil's advocate. So next up, we've got the black that, one. One last thing: you also can block people out with it, right? Like you can loam block people with this card. Not that difficultly. For like once you get to six mana, you just they never get to play a creature again, or they have to like they can never that you get to remove one creature every turn forever, and you get to keep ramping with the land you're bringing back every turn. It's true. Pretty savage. <laughs> but just like, like loam with these cards in general is just kind of wild yeah people should be playing loam with these cards uh or crucible of worlds speaking of a crucible uh wait white blue oh no we're doing black next sorry we're doing uh not a crucible i'm not abandoning the the system of wuberg order speaking of abandoned things uh Taku- T- takanuma abandoned mire legendary land 
the black one, taps for black mana, uh, channel three and a black, discard it, mill three cards, then return a creature card or planes or card from your graveyard to your hand. This ability costs one less to cast to uh, activate for each of well, all the other parts of the ability. So this is probably the worst one. It's still not terrible. You still like oh, really good. <laughs> if you draw this late game, you get to get your best thing that they were t- answered earlier in the game. And oh, one other thing that we haven't talked about is the ability for Talaria West to find all of these cards as well. So in uh-huh. Titan, Titan decks, uh, <laughs> or for Primeval Titan to find them and then use a, a bounce land to return it to your hands. <laughs> just, just continued, yeah, continued insanity from this uh, these cards. Uh, like I can't express how many different ways these work with stuff, and that's why I'm saying like I think this is comparable. This cycle in total is comparable to the elementals. The elementals from 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 modern horizons too. I think they're well. The upside, yeah. I mean, the upside is so high. You're you're correct. I think this black one is probably the weakest. I like the black one actually. I I that effect in general when I've used that in almost any format has always been one I've been pretty happy with. So eh. this this feels a eh. lot like uh, and I'm gonna forget the card name, but so because we haven't talked about these as a comparison point, the Zendikar lands, the ones that are two sided, half lands, half spells. Um, oh, um, just the just just like the in general the footlands like the Valakir yeah, yeah, yeah. Awakening. Like they're all, and all those very cards. similar, and those cards are all like remember how hyped we were on these cards. These cards are yeah. just those cards, but better. And right, right, right. Almost there. Other than maybe the effects on those cards, but Malakir Rebirth is the card I'm thinking of that this card reminds me of, which is this is a like staple black effect that like has never been playable really before. Right, right, right. On either a land that enters tapped and doesn't do anything, and it puts it on top of your library, or it like is like a bad card that you wouldn't play, but this is on a land. And, and yeah, this like plays well with loam, right? You can do the loam, this dredge six game plan. Yeah. And this could see play in dredge decks in general. Like this is not a bad card in dredge as a one of, I mean, definitely. Yeah. You dredge it. I, I think this is, this is again, every single deck that plays these colors can play one of these at least. Mm-hmm. Why would a dredge deck, well, a lot of the dredge decks have been five colors actually, and they've played like five color lands, so they might not want a black land on turn one untapped. But like, if they can handle the mana, then like they all should be playing these. Um, so then, so then fourth, we've got the red one, which is uh, Sokenzon Crucible of Defiance. Red one, discard it, create two one one colorless spirit creature tokens. They gain haste until end of turn. Um, also very good. <laughs> Also, very an untapped red source on turn one in a deck, any red deck that probably wants to be killing you, and then they draw this later in the game, and they're like, oh, my turn one red source that now just gives me two damage. Sick. Mm-hmm. The other thing we haven't really talked right? about, and like I'm glad, we, like it's insane that every one of these cards, I'm remembering another thing that applies to all of them that we haven't talked about, <laughs> is that these are better than the old Kamigawa lands in the sense that you want you want to you can play four of them. If I draw the second one, playing four of them is suspect because eventually you like will get the game where you only draw all four of them and then you can't channel yes, the second yes, one. Yes. But you definitely can play two without too much of an effort because the second one you channel. You channel yeah. the second one. And then in decks like burn, like I don't know how every burn deck in every format doesn't just play this card because now you don't one of your mountains isn't a dead card at the end. You get a hasty two-two. I mean, what I will say to that though is that so as, as as somebody who has built many mana bases where you're like, oh, I'll only play two of this card. I'll never draw them both. And then you do sometimes and you're like, oh, this is so bad. So if you have two of these in the deck, that will eventually sometimes happen where in the first 10 cards of the game, you're going to draw them both. And if the fact 
that you're playing this means that now a spell in your deck is four mana for two one one creatures it's like not great so one is super safe one is an upside play always there's zero yes, reason yes. not to the weaker the effect the less beneficial it is to play two of them because you just i don't want to play this land ability like i never want to cast this i want this to be in my opening hand to play on turn one that's what i want if i'm going to play it in my deck because there's no downside or if it's not there I don't really ever want to draw this. I never really want this to be the thing I'm drawing if it's not in my opening hand because it's not it's not a very good effect. The blue one and the green one I feel differently about, but I think other than those two, I don't think I really want to draw those cards if unless they're in my opening hand. I think specifically in burn decks and prowess decks, this card is different, right? Because A, those decks' curves are so low that this will be the top of the curve, right? The four drop of this land will be the top. So your worst case scenario is if you need to get to, that you draw two, they're the only two lands you drew, and you need to play your two drop that turn, and you're just hoping to draw to other lands, is you can tap the first one for red, play this, sacrifice that one, and then tap this one for red to pay for your two drop, and then just keep the mana curve low. If you can't pass this, right? You have that option. Like, people play legendary lands that you can play two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that you just work that as a problem. Um, and the fact that like mono red decks or burn decks in general always like have the problem of like, oh, every land I draw after my third one is terrible. Right. This right. mitigates that. And the, and they do play legendary creatures, right? Like Ragavan is still in that deck. You can play Luris in the sideboard. You can play, you can play other kind of, uh, different options out of the companion zone to make this cheaper, which is also helpful. Uh, all right. And now we get to the green one. In order, Busiju who endures, legendary land, channel one green. Uh, all of the things we discussed. It costs one less to cast if you have a legendary creature. Destroy target artifact or enchantment or non-basic land. An opponent controls. That player may search their library for a land card with a basic land uh, type and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. So it's worse than path in the sense that they can get shock lands and dual lands and put those into play. Um, it is a path to exile effect so they do get the replacement land you can't target your own so you can't use it as like a weird ramp spell uh but also it's like comparable to wasteland and maybe better than wasteland and power level i don't think it's better than wasteland and power level i i understand where the comparison would be it's an enormously powerful card. It, to me, is pretty clearly the best card in the set. I think there's like a few contenders that are really interesting that may end up seeing play or being like linchpin cards in decks. But I think from just the pure pound for pound, like what card do I expect to see in the most modern decks in like high numbers? I think it's a pretty safe assumption you're going to see two of these in like any deck that plays green. Like I think it's probably going to be like, I don't know. I just don't know how you don't play this card. Right now with artifacts seeing as much play as they're seeing play and enchantments seeing more play than they have. And your worst case scenario is eating a utility land that are all like an Urza saga. So yes, I, I agree. Well, it kills Urza saga like twice uh, that I agree that it's not better than wasteland. I think that was definitely. Uh, you were pushing, you were seeing, you were, you were throwing it out there to see if I would catch the ball. And I, I did not catch that uh, one. <laughs> uh, and, and, but I do think it's con- like, it does a lot of things that wasteland doesn't do. Like if Wasteland could answer artifacts and enchantments, that would be a very different conversation. And the fact that it, it what it doesn't have the ability to do is it doesn't have the ability to lock your opponent out, right? That's that's the thing that sure. it's missing from Wasteland. That's the power level difference. But from a utility perspective, I think it's better. Like in Commander, I'd probably play this over Wasteland every time if I could. Um, in Modern, well, I think I that's Wasteland, and I think this is better than 
almost every other grave or land hate. Like, I think this is better than Ghost Quarter. I think it's better than Field of the Dead or Field of Ruin. I think it's better than. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that this is like, again, just going back to utility, because like this is something that gets talked about less in modern because it's so specialized. But it's like something I've thought about the most when talking about Highlander. And the reason is because every deck you play needs to have some kind of answer to the common things you see. Right. You need to not get burned out. You need to be able to naturalize things. You have to be able to get rid of non-basic lands. The fact that this is a freaking untapped land that handles two of those things, like Graveyard Hate being the other one handles two of them to naturalize and a destroy non-basic land and it costs you nothing is insanity it's like the 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 upside of this card is like you would want i would want this in every deck even if i wasn't playing green forever like i will i literally want to figure out ways to play green in decks i play so i can have this card available to me because it's so utilitarian it's such a valuable thing to have in your deck um I don't know. I don't know how this isn't the best card in the set. I think it's like very obviously the best card in the set. Uh, I don't know. The blue and black, a a black red saga or like a blue bounce thing. I just, there's nothing in this set that compares to this to me. It's not my favorite card in the set, but I think it's the best card. The blue one is going to, it creates more unfun, powerful game states than this does. Cause this is a fair removal spell. This is generically good, right? Like at all times, this is fine. Uh, Versus the blue one where, like, if I push the edges on the blue one, I could do things that are broken. Hmm. I'm never going to break the game with, with like, I'm never going to create a game state that Besiju who endures is, like, going to make my opponent not able to win, right? I'm going to answer their good things and ramp them. Or it's like Path the Exile, right? Path the Exile has always been totally a great card, a, a phenomenal card. But it's never been d- format warping. Like... Tawara feels like a like a, a, a more comparable to like cryptic command loops with um yeah with Mystic Monastery with Mystic Monastery right like like this plus something that lets you bounce it and keep playing it like if every single turn for four for six man like without a legendary creature in play once I get the turn six in my control deck you no longer get to have a creature planeswalker artifact or enchantment stay in play well that's if you have that's if you have a way to get that land back over and over again i'm I'm saying if i have if i have that in in life i'm sorry did i not finish this i guess yeah with with the combo of that combo or other combos that exist in a similar space uh you just made me so sad like i feel now that i'm thinking about the blue one it sounds so unfun i just hope that this isn't just a just (laughs) just a stupid mistake but but look if if the if the stupid mistake is a six mana lock that involves life from the loam let's see that stupid mistake take over and then i'll gladly see something get banned i'd be way happier for there to be that than just mystic monastery cryptic command the last card we haven't talked about with these is ransex which does the same thing is arguably better than (laughs) than than loam because now you're doing it every day turn for four mana and it's its plus ability or their plus ability and now one works with the green one too uh and the red one oh man sick all right well i think we have said more than enough and we have been going for even without our break two and a half hours so i think it is probably time to wrap up our set review of neon dynasty kamigawa it's an epically cool set it's how many, i'm really how many out of out of five uh rat gangster biker pilots out of five how many how many rat gangster motorcycle rat biker pilots are you giving the set <laughs> A five. I give this set a five out of five. It's okay. it's the it's the set that I'm the most excited to talk about every card we're looking at in a while. I like 
And it's funny too, and I, I this is where I know this set is especially cool. I went yesterday to look at the cost of the cards in the set to see if it was like, am I getting swindled by like high card values and stuff that I think is gonna and it was like, no. It's like basically just like Bosiju and like Jinga Taxis and like one other card are kind of expensive and like everything else is like pretty inexpensive. Now that now that is the new way these sets are released. So for two reasons, right? Uh uh the first one is collector boosters create this like much more warped when the card that is good is good that that's the one but there's time to decide what that card is yeah um because like otherwise like the the premium versions are the ones that are going to be expensive because it's so easy to get your hands on premium versions that all the prices are depreciated but then the other half of that is the new lands the basic lands are so gorgeous and are all worth like ten dollars a pop foil so each collector yeah. pays for itself in kind of the way that the Strixhaven ones. I think uh, I think this set will have a similar effect. It'll be slightly different than the Mystical Archive because, right, the Mystical Archive is like value for cards that will always be that valuable. While like Wizards of the Coast keeps printing every every set, it feels like they're printing the best land they've ever printed. Yeah, right. Like they keep one upping themselves, and this is another example of that. And I wouldn't be surprised if when we go to New Capenna. We're going to get the art deco style, each of the lands that you've seen yeah. like in form, and it's going to be dope. Uh, but yeah, so I like like for now, though, those lands are each worth like 10 bucks foil. And that's depreciating the price of everything else, right? Because you can now buy a collector booster that 50 percent of it is paid off by just getting the foil land. And now everything else in it gets depreciated by that. Well, I guess my, my point in saying that was just that I there wasn't a high density of cards that I thought were like, oh, wow, like this is there was a lot of cards that I think are way above average and cool and interesting. And that's what I like about this set. Yes. I think this is this is the coolest set, the most interesting and exciting standard set that I've seen in a couple of years. I'm I'm a big fan of this. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm I also give it five out of five biker rat gangsters. Uh, but thank you so much. Uh both to the editing team and our patrons. Uh, thank you to TCG Player. There's a code below for the affiliate link. Thank you to Ultra Pro uh, for sponsoring this and our streams. Uh, and thank you to uh, the um, uh, Alter Sleeves that if you click on the link below or use the code the MMCast, it helps us there as well. And you can see a bunch of different Alter Sleeves that we've selected as our favorites right now on the website. Uh, and, and Ben, thank you so much for, for joining. Make sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram, both of us. Not Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. Me and Ben. Follow everywhere. Follow them all. Thanks, right. guys. That's we will see button. you on the next one. Answer that poll number. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.